12 years, you didn't even know you had a son. But then one day, I ran away from military school to look for you. And I'll never forget the words you said when your eyes met mine. You're my what? Mr. Stratton? Yeah. Are you Edward Stratton III? That's me. Pleased to meet you. Hi. I'm your son. To join this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Will you, Edward, take this woman as your lawful and wedded wife? I will. And will you, Kate, take this man as your lawful and wedded husband? I will. With this ring, I thee wed. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Well, just an update to let you know how things are gonna go for the rest of season four. I'm not doing two episodes, I'm going to be doing three episodes an episode, and then we're going to finish season four in early May, and then I'm going to jump right into season five, but I will be just doing two episodes at a time for that. I know you probably think, well, that seems rushed, and it's like, well, don't get me wrong, guys, I have loved covering Silver Spoons, but, and I, I still enjoy, I still enjoy it, but I just, I'm kind of ready to wrap things up and everything like that, um, with the show. So that way I've already started working on the new podcast, Different Strokes, where I'm going to be um, going through episodes, not every single episode of Different Strokes, not every episode, but a good chunk of episodes, which I just dropped the first episode moving in, season one, episode one, last week. And then it's just going to be once a month until Silver Spoons is going to finish up most likely in August, and then I'll be doing different strokes like twice a month. So I I love the show. I just feel that it's time to start wrapping things up with it. I know I did bet a little bit with Punky Brewster, but usually, especially with seasons that only have like four shows that only have four seasons. Usually I try to get the coverage done with at least, you know, a couple years. And you guys are getting a lot more content. Instead of an episode a week, I'm doing three a week for the rest of season four. And then two a week for season five. Alright, so the episodes I'm going to be discussing today. Season four, episode 13, entitled Second Class Parent, which aired on December 21st. 1985. So this is the episode just before Christmas. This is, this probably might, I think it might even be the, uh, let's see. Yes, it is the last episode of 1985. Episode 14 is going to be the first episode in 1986. So, 
second-class parent in this episode. While Edward is out of town, Kate gives Rick permission to go to Fort Fort Lauderdale for winter vacation. So I'm guessing that's got to be right around... This has got to be right around Christmas time, so maybe Christmas break. This is episode's got a 7.5 out of 10. Let's see. Directed by Jack Shea, David W. Duclan, and six others. We also see Brad. At this point, we know that Freddy Lippincottleman is no more. If we hear his name dropped in, in an episode or so, I don't I don't know. Like I said, I've not seen these episodes. I only saw bits and pieces of, like, some episodes when they aired in syndication. So, all right. We have, I don't know who Harmon is. Maybe it's someone that works for Edward. So we got Billy. We got someone named Doug. And we got someone named Stan. I'm guessing those are the guys that uh, looks like we don't have. Oh, we do have Alfonso this episode. All right. As always, there is no trivia. <laughs> All right. After that, I'm going to focus on the lady is the, the lady is a tramp, January fifth, nineteen eighty six, and of course, season four, episode fifteen, entitled Stratton and Stratton which aired on January 12th, 1986. When I get done covering Second Class Parent, I will go into the synopsis of The Lady is a Tramp. And just like each episode is going to have its silver spoonful, it's going to have its train rating before I go to the next episode. So, yes, these episodes are going to be, you know, pretty fairly lengthy about what one may be. So, definitely... You can listen to these while you're cleaning your house, while you're working in the yard, while you're going for walks. Of course, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you're looking where can I find the podcast on social media, you can go to Facebook at Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast Facebook page, or just type in Silver Spoons podcast. Uh, the same with Instagram, Silver Spoons podcast, or Silver Spoons pod. And if you'd like to send an email with your Silver Spoons memories um, or, uh, or comments on episodes that I've done in the past or plan to do in the future, send the, your emails to silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to give a review, if you'd like to rate and review the podcast, go on iTunes. It's going to be under the Punky Power podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into Second Class Parent. I'm really interested in this because Edward and Kate got married in Season 3. We haven't actually gotten to see her really slip into the parenting, the step-parent aspect yet because pretty much it's just been, I mean, if you didn't know these two got married, you really wouldn't notice a change in their relationship too too much other than they still do a lot of kissing hugging you might get a mrs stratton you know name drop somewhere here or there but other than that i mean edward is still the father who's doling out the discipline the life lessons so it's going to be interesting to see kate have to slip into the role of being a parent 
Well, I guess Alfonso's out of the picture for the episode. He's going to London to see his mom. He hasn't seen her in like a year. And I love how he says, you know, when she dropped me off, I was just but a mere boy. But now I'm a man. And I'm all like, you are not a man. You are still a teenager. <laughs> Rick uh, gives Alfonso the, his raincoat. Like, oh yeah, it always rains in London. I don't know. Let's see what London's... uh. Weather is currently right now. I bet it's probably raining. It tends to do that a bit. I mean, I've never been. That's my dream to be to to go there. Um, there it is. It's sixty three, mostly clear, and it's currently almost ten o'clock at night in London right now, at this moment. Rick is wearing a large like pink salmon colored shirt that of course has the first like three buttons undone so you can see his a little bit of his chest even rick's like yeah right and alfonso's like hey i've grown a lot and we look at he has on the raincoat it probably is dexter's raincoat or maybe it's edwards i don't know but it makes me think of the end of the movie big spoiler alert if you have not watched big 1986, 1986 is big with Tom Hanks. What are you doing with your life? Get out there and watch that movie. I want to cover it for the podcast at some point. Not this one, but on the uh, Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast. Um, but that's just what he... If you guys haven't seen Big, um, skip ahead like 10 seconds or 15 seconds or 30 seconds. So at the end of Big, of course, Tom Hanks' character makes a wish to be a kid again because mentally he's 13 years old in the body of a 30-year-old. And he's just walking along. He's got the suit on. And you cut back to Elizabeth Perkins' face in the car and you just see her reaction, just like one of just like utter surprise we cut back to josh baskin who is now a kid walking in a 30 year old man's suit with like the sleeves are like a foot past his arms and it's just like his pants are sagging off him uh, it's such a good, it's such a good scene. It's such a good movie. Get out there and watch it if you haven't. So I see that there's a boom box on the table by the door that would have the, um, or is there another table near the door that usually has a door opener because there's a boom box there. So I'm like, that boom box is there because it's clearly going to be played. Why else would it be there, right? So I'm going to play this clip. Well, here's your raincoat. You can't go to London without one. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, Dad! Oh, 
you were dad. <coughs> oh, must be the coat. <coughs> Sorry, Kate. I've just got to ask you something really important. Oh, well, maybe I can help. I don't think so, Kate. Ah, <laughs> uh, try me. All right. Can I go to a movie tonight? Tonight? Isn't it a school night? It's not just a school night. It's the last school night. Before the last day of school. Before winter break. <laughs> hey, sounds okay to me. All right. But it may not sound okay to your father. So I think we should wait till he gets home. Sorry. <laughs> look, when he gets back, be sure to tell him I'm upstairs. Finishing my homework. Cleaning my room. Putting away my clothes. <laughs> You're gonna be too tired to go out. <laughs> So Rick gets a phone call. I swear this boy gets a girl every single episode. There's always a different girl. This flavor of the week, her name is Jessica, and Rick went above and beyond by planting a rose garden. Probably just put a bunch of roses in her locker. And she wants to see if he can go to the movies. And he's like, well, I'd love to go, but I, I just got to check my calendar. So he's like, I'll get back with you. And Alfonso's like, you have to check your calendar. And, of course, the calendar Rick is referring to is not an actual physical calendar. It's the calendar of Daddy says yes or no. And being this is a school night, as we will later learn when in comes Kate, Rick's like, where's Dad? I need to see him. And Kate's like, well, I could help you. I mean, what's the problem? And Rick's like, I don't think you can. And she's like, well, try me. So he's like, well, there's this girl, Jessica, and she asked me to the movies, and I want to go. And Kate's like, well, isn't it a school night? Any typical parent, step-parent, foster parent, whatever, is probably going to say, hey, it's a school night. That's something you do on a weekend. But... Here's the snag. It's not just not a weekend. It's the night before the last day of school before winter break happens. So if Rick wants us to make he wants to make this happen with Jessica, he's got to give her an answer today. Kate, of course, has no, you know, I don't see why not. I mean, definitely want to make your move. But, of course, she's just a step-parent. So, she's like, you might want to wait and check with your dad first. Which, of course, Edward, I guess, is going to have the final say. But then again, they're co-parenting. So, this would be a great opportunity for Kate to finally get her feet, her parenting feet wet and um, handle Rick for a bit. Even asking her if she's like, well, we should wait till your father gets home. I'm sorry. Even though I say yes, odds are he's going to say no, and I don't want to create a conflict. So Rick, of course, is like, well, just be sure when he gets here, tell him I'm upstairs, cleaning my room, doing my homework, you know, all that good son stuff. Yeah. They really want to harp on the fact that Rick Schroeder, it, Ricky Schroeder, is a teen idol. Because they got at least three to four buttons dropped on this giant... This shirt is humongous. It's like swallowing him whole. He's got the sleeves so far rolled up, they're almost to his elbows. I love Alfonso. It's like, oh, wow, Rick, with all this doing your homework and cleaning your room, you're going to be too tired to go out. 
But she, oh, she wants to go to the movies that night. So it's Thursday night. He's still, you know, going to go to school the next day. So the movie would even be out around this time in 1985 in December. Plus, don't come out Thursdays typically. In any movie that you want to see, would have already come out that previous Friday. Exactly. Usually, kids are gonna see a movie when it comes out that week because everyone's gonna be talking about yeah, it. It's and... a week now. Oh, it's Thursday. Um... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I mean, they didn't really do Thursday previews back then. Probably not. So, see, she uses the uh, the remote. Usually everyone uses the remote. There's that one time, remember I told you about Edward was, like, working with plants outside, and he could have used the remote to open the door, but he decided to use his wrist to open the door. Like, it's right there. Just click a button. So Kate opens the door. It's Dexter looking for Edward. Edward apparently is the man of mystery. No one knows where he is. Where's Edward? Because he's a, he, everyone wants to talk to him. As Kate says, Dexter, you'll just have to take a number. There he is, the man of the hour, loaded down with the fishing gear. Oh, good golly. Does he want to do a father-son fishing trip or something? I don't know. Let's find out. Buy off the whole store? Good golly. <laughs> Boy, did that salesman see you coming? <laughs> Don't you think you went a little overboard? No, but in case I do, I bought this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. Overboard. <laughs> Life preserver. He wants to know if you want a schooner or a cabin cruiser. <laughs> yeah, well, which one costs more? If I know Carlos, whichever one we choose. What do you think? What should we do? Oh, they're both going on a trip together? <laughs> this doesn't seem like something Dexter would be into. easy. Yourself, and she's like, I could have. 
And Edward tells her, well, yeah, I mean, we're married now, and, you know, we're in this together. And Kate's a little worried. She thinks Rick might, like, resent her, especially if she says no. And Edward's like, well, it doesn't matter if he resents you. You're his stepmother now, so he's got to listen to you. And Edward says, you know, after tonight, I'm going to be gone for a week, so the parenting decisions are going to be all up to you. So Kate's like, well, what about the movie he wants to see tonight? And Edward's like, you know what? Why don't I leave that up to you and let you decide what you think is best? So she is, like, ready to just jump right in there. She calls Rick down, says, you know, I've been thinking, you can go to that movie tonight. And he, like, runs down the rest of the steps, kisses her on the cheek, like, Kate, you're the best. And, of course, Edward's got to critique what she did wrong. She missed a couple things that she should have, uh, a couple boxes that she should have checked. He's like, yeah, you did pretty well. Except for you forgot one thing. To find out what movie he's going to and who he's going with and when he'll be back. Uh, well, I figure because it's like, what movie? Like, it better not be rated R. Or who is he going with? Does he know these people? And of course, what time he'll be back? Well, did you not install a curfew for him yet? I swear he installed a curfew back in season three. Well, Edward, you should have let her know that to begin with when you're like, oh, have a crack at it. Go uh, exert your uh, parenting skills. So Rick comes in from the movie, and Edward's like, hey, how was the movie? Rick's like, oh, it was scary. Jessica didn't look at the screen once, and she practically sat on my lap the whole time. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's terrible that she didn't look at the screen the entire movie. Oh, that's not so terrible that she sat on your lap the whole movie. <laughs> so Rick's like, oh, yeah, she wants to go see it again tomorrow. And I'm just thinking, she can sit on your lap anywhere, guy. Come on now. She don't got to use an excuse like the movies to do that. And Edward, of course, is like, <laughs> where were these girls when I was your age? Edward, of course, he's in the kitchen working, getting all his fishing gear all ready to go. And there's, He's got a state-of-the-art fishing uh, fish locator, sonar locator, which is, I guess supposedly is going to revolutionize fishing. Like, it'll be able to pick up, like, where the fish are at and everything. I haven't been, the only fishing I ever did was when I was 14 off a dock. Edward actually asks Rick if he wants to come along. I guess he's asked before and Rick's turned him down. He's like, Dad, I told you, I get sick, seasick just listening to the Beach Boys. <laughs> so Rick says he's going to spend the whole week, basically his Christmas vacation, or after Christmas vacation, I don't know, taking Jessica to some Boris Carlyle film festival thing. So Rick is just so ready to go. Like, oh, this is going to be a great week. And, of course, turns out Jessica is going out of town. So, she didn't even know about the Boris Car Carlisle Film Festival, I guess. So, Rick's kind of being a sad sack as Brad comes in and says, Yo, Stratton, what's up? What's going on? And, of course, Rick is just bumming out. His girl's gone away on a trip. Alfonso's in London with his mom. His you know, Rick's dad is on his fishing trip with Dexter. He's like, oh, this is going to be, like, the worst week ever. So Brad actually asked Rick, like, hey, do you want to, my brother and his friend, they're getting a place down in Fort Lauderdale. Do you want to go with us? And, of course, Rick is like, do I want to? Do I want to? And Brad's like, 
Yeah, do you want to? So Rick is just excited, like, 50,000 girls in bikinis and only one him. And Brad's like, well, we'll be staying in my grandma's condominium. And, of course, Rick's like, I'm just happy you picked me. I mean, I'll sleep on the floor. And Brad's like, well, we kind of already decided that you would sleep on the floor. <laughs> Rick wasn't even the second choice. Heck, he wasn't even the third or fourth. He was the fifth choice. Because they had a fourth guy, but he dropped out. Uh-huh. So Rick's like, when are you guys leaving? And Brad says, looks at his watch, um, we're leaving in like an hour. And Rick's like, wow, you don't leave a guy much time, do you? But I, I gotta ask permission from my stepmother first. And of course, Brad's like, well, you know, stepmothers are pushovers. You know, I wish I had one, but, you know, my parents, they won't get a divorce. I'm gonna play this clip. sitting on my lap the whole time. It's not so terrible. <laughs> I know. She'd like to go see it again tomorrow. Who were these girls when I was growing up? <laughs> what is it? It's a sonar locator handheld. Salesman said it's going to revolutionize sport fishing. What's it do? I have no idea. <laughs> Sounds like to me a good trip. Yeah, last chance to change your mind. I told you that. I get seasick just listening to the Beach Boys. Besides, I'll be spending the whole week taking Jessica to a Boris Karloff film festival. We'll miss you, son. <laughs> I'll miss you too, Dad, but something tells me this is going to be a great winter break. What do you mean she went out of town? Well, she didn't tell me she was going out of town. Why didn't she tell me she was going out of town? <laughs> Believe me, I'm sorry too. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Strat, what's going on? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. My girl went out of town. My dad's gone. Alfonso's visiting his mother. Brad, I'm looking at what could be the worst vacation of my life. Looks like I arrived in the nick of time. What do you mean? Oh, my older brother and his friend are driving down to Fort Lauderdale for the break. I was wondering if you wanted to come along. Want to? Want to? Yeah, do you want to? <laughs> Brad, I would love to. Oh, thanks for thinking of me, bud. Well, the truth is, they already had a fourth, but he canceled out. Well, that's okay, so I was second choice. You were more like fifth choice. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, but at least you got asked. That's right. What does it matter? Fort Lauderdale, 50,000 girls in bikinis, and only one me. <laughs> uh, we'll be staying at my grandmother's condo. I don't care where I stay. I'll sleep on the floor. Yeah, we already voted on that. <laughs> so, when are we leaving? Exactly one hour and 43 minutes. Whoa, you don't leave a guy much time. I've got to get permission from my stepmother first. I shouldn't have any problem. Stepmothers are pushovers. <laughs> I wish I had one, but my parents refused to get a divorce. <laughs> well, I sure hope I can go. Well, me too. Without you to chip in for the gas, we won't make it out of New Jersey. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, look out! Okay, um, so I don't know Kate's reaction yet, but this is a bit different than asking permission to go to a movie on a school night. You're asking permission 
to leave the state. And not only that, you're asking permission to go on a trip where there's no adult supervision. Yeah. I think that's going to be need more than a stepmother's approval. Now, Edward and Dexter, I'm sure, are in the land of no phones. I mean, cell phones were not, they're pretty much non-existent in 1985. Um, and if they're going to, even if they had them, they're probably in an area that does not have any real good cell service. So. But Rick is just so excited. Like, oh, Fort Lauderdale, here I come. Oh, he is jumping on the couch. I'm sure that's when Kate is like, Rick. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, is Kate going to be, like, in a bad mood? And she's just going to give him a flat-out no? Or I think maybe Rick's, like, going to be, like, schmoozy. Like, oh, you look really good. Oh, compliment her cooking. Stuff like that. And hopes that she will say yes. Let's find out. One of them. Sure, friends. Well, where would you be staying? With Brad's grandmother, <laughs> an upright, moral woman. <laughs> well, who's driving? Brad's older brother, a very serious guy. He's got no sense of humor. He makes you wear a seatbelt when he parks at a drive-in. <laughs> I don't know, Rick. I mean, you're only 15. In two months, I'll be 16. Marco Polo went halfway around the world at 16. Not in a 65 Mustang. <laughs> please, Kate, please. Uh, well, I'd have to make a few phone calls first, like to Brad's mother. 555-3168. I'll write it down. Well, then I still have to think about it. Wait. But don't think about it too long. We leave in one hour and 36 minutes. <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, Rick. I mean... I don't know. I don't... I can't see her agreeing to this. I mean, even though Rick's like, oh, Brad's brother's a very serious guy. Oh, his... his we're gonna be staying at his grandma's condo in Florida. It's gonna... She's a very, very mature, wise woman. Oh, here's, um, the phone number. Oh, can you hurry up and make a decision? Because we leave in, like, an hour. Okay, thanks. He... I mean, even she says it's like... I like that at least she's asking questions this time around because that's what Edward said. You know, next time you might want to ask some questions, especially he's 15. And he's like, well, I'll be 16 years old in like two months. It's like, that doesn't matter. You're still a teenager. And he only knows one person that's going on this trip. Has he ever met Brad's older brother or Brad's older brother's friend? No. These guys are probably 19, probably drinking, 
just, just, I mean, they do need Rick to be able to get on in New Jersey because he has to chip in for gas. But even still, it's like, you're kind of putting her in a tight spot. Especially, it's like, I need an answer within the next 45 minutes. You know, she said she wanted to, you know, call Brad's mom and some other phone calls. Maybe she's even going to try to get a hold of Edward. You know that Edward is going to be, that is definitely a no, you are not going to Fort Lauderdale. This isn't spring break. This is like Christmas break or it's got to be like the week before New Year's or something like that. Because they keep saying winter break. Either that or it's going to be the winter break after like, like midwinter break, like late February or something before spring break. How many people are really going to be that? I don't know, but let's find out. I want to see how these phone calls go. Uh-huh. I see. You mean he has a spotless driving record. No traffic accidents, no tickets, no reckless stunts? Well, thank you very much, Officer Grant. Oh, she called the cops? That's some to check. out there. Wow. You really went to the extreme. I think she's not going to let him go because that is just... What are you doing? <laughs> what? what? Oh, you mean this? Well, I just want to be prepared in case you say yes. She's going to she's gonna say no. I haven't decided, and I respect that. <laughs> this is a big decision, Kate, and I don't want to put any pressure on you. Look, we'll be I here in 15 that. minutes. Oops. I forgot my suntan lotion. No pressure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that is... That's... So you see, Edward, I thought it over very carefully and decided to let Rick go with Brad to Fort Lauderdale. You what? Yeah, exactly. Are you crazy? What kind of a stepmother are you? He's only 15 years old. No, he would not say that. <laughs> no, I think you're right with the first one. like Brad's mom or something but no she's actually talking to a police officer trying to get this kid's you know driving record and everything which apparently is spotless no tickets none of that stuff which is great Rick of course comes down already pre-packed and ready to go although if you call packed like with a duffel bag just an armload of clothes and a snor- um, snorkel gear 
And of course, he's got to run up and get his suntan lotion. Of course, when Kate sees he's already packing before she's made her decision, she's like, what are you doing? I didn't, like, I didn't say you could go yet. I haven't made up my mind. He's like, well, I, I mean, I just wanted, in, in case you did say yes. So, I mean, he really is putting her in a tight spot. While she is thinking this over, of course, we do hear the outcomes of what it could be. And I'm 100% with the first one. Her saying, oh, Edward, I let Rick go to Fort Lauderdale with Brad and some of his friends. And just Edward's like, you what? He's 15 years old. Why would you? What kind of stepmother are you? Versus one where he's like, oh, why didn't you let him go? He's 15. He's young. You know, stepmothers are mean. Like, like, no, it would be the first real one would be the real reaction. So, of course, Brad and the guys are honking the horn. They're right out there. And Kate is like, okay, okay, you can go. She gives him some money and sends him on his way. And she's just happy she made a decision. You know, like, oh, good, I did real good with this, uh, parenting situation and then all of a sudden she hears them take off you know wheels turning out of the car and she's just like what did I do like oh maybe I shouldn't have well it's too late you already gave him permission Edward's gonna be gone for a week unless he comes back or I bet he comes back early like where's Rick what you're telling me you let him leave the state a 15 year old real good Kate real good all right, let's find out the aftermath of how Edward's going to react. I'm guessing they came back early. Or maybe not. Or maybe Edward and Dexter came back on time, but Rick got stuck in Fort Lauderdale because they ran out of money. I don't know. Teenagers running amok in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, my gosh. I, I can only imagine. So Oh my gosh! Is that a marlin? Edward. <laughs> oh god.
permission. Oh my, I think that's like one of those marlin, those long, you know, fish with like swordfish type things. I, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't fish. And of course, <laughs> Edward sees Kate and he's like, he hasn't been seeing a woman in a week. He's happy he's home, gets to see his wife. And of course, he's excited to go show Rick his catch that he made with the fish. And turns out, Kate's like, oh, well, Rick ended up uh, going to, um, got an offer to go to Fort Lauderdale with his friends. And Edward's like, oh, I bet he's up in his room sulking. And Kate's like, no, well, if he's sulking, he's doing that from Fort Lauderdale. And Edward tells her, like, oh, well, you let him go? And I'm just thinking, you gave her permission to decide what Rick could and couldn't do. If you didn't want her to do that, you should have laid down some ground rules. Or, or, I mean, you did say you both are in this together with parenting Rick, so... He even sent her a postcard. I'd be like, I want you to call me. I grant, Granted, I'm sure it's extremely expensive calling from Florida to New York in 1985. I'm sure long distance was just insane. I don't even know. Was 1-800-CALL-COLLECT, was that available back in 1985? I'm not sure. But I would want a phone. I like. I don't care about the charges. Don't worry about it. I want to know you're alive. Sending me a postcard would not be enough. You could have sent that from anywhere. This is not good. What happened? Because Rick, we see a car that is smashed into a bill. Um, what? What's going on here? Let's find out what's going on here. Because this is does not sound good. Did they even? They must have made it to Fort Lauderdale, didn't they? Or maybe they didn't. Are you insane? Four thousand? For what? A nice going strength. You made it all the way over here without damaging anything. Will you lay off? I told you that trucker told me to move it. He meant the car, not the diamond. Oh jeez. license
Why would she feel guilty? Oh, shut up! Well, if you want to come here, grab your coat. I'm going to call the company Jeff. Why? I'm with Edward. Why the heck was Rick driving? He doesn't have a license. Why did he need to move the car? Because apparently what, he, they, the car needed to be moved for something. And then he accidentally backed it. Oh, yeah. How many times have we seen this? Right? Remember the one, what was it? Driver Ed in season two? Where, um, Grandfather Stratton, I guess, whether he even could drive anymore, and he ended up backing into the library of the Stratton house. But anyway, yeah, Rick, $4,000, I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be in today's money. I mean, this is 1985. But yeah, he calls up Edward, says, oh yeah, great. About the fish that you caught, I'll see it when I get there, when I get home. No, they didn't need, I don't even think they made it, no, to Fort Lauderdale, I don't think, unless they were on their way back. They might have been on their way back, and they stopped at a diner, and this happened. $4,000 to repair the wall, and all of that stuff. And Rick's like, oh, Dad, um, between me and the guys, we got the, um, $7 cover, but, the 4,000, I mean, we're going to need your help for that. So, luckily nobody was injured. It, I think it was just Rick moving the, backing the car up. So, Edward, of course, they, he's got a private jet. That way he can get down to South Carolina and deal with this. And, of course, Kate's like, I'll go with you. And Edward's like, well, no. And don't worry, you don't need to feel guilty about this. I'm like, guilty for what? You gave her permission to discipline or to decide whether you could go or not. You gave her full reign of that because you're co-parenting and that you're in this together and everything. It's like, come on. Don't make her feel guilty for this. She couldn't have suspected that this was going to happen. So finally, it's like, alright, here's your code. Let's just get the jet and go down there. So let's see how the... Oh, man. I... I, if I were Kate, I would have said, you know what? I don't think this is something that your dad would want you doing. Even if I... I don't like that Rick put her in that position. Going to a movie is one thing, but leaving the state is a completely different thing. This guy looks... I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, this guy who's wearing the gray sweatshirt. He played, um... Richie from season one of Growing Pains. He was a kind of goofy, nerdish-looking guy that was always hitting on Carol. I thought he sounded and looked familiar. Apparently, uh, the Harmons, the owner of Harmons, got some Turtle Creek tapioca, and they're like, well, we didn't order this. And the guy's like, well, that's all right. I'm gonna, I was going to throw it out. It's from yesterday. Here you go. Like, ugh. All right, let's see how this is going to play out, because uh, we see Edward and Kate kind of looking in the... Oh, they're seeing where the damage has been done. Gotcha. All right. I think there's going to be a blow. I think Edward is going to blow up at Rick. What do you think? I'm kind of, I'm thinking that that's how it's going to go down. And Kate's probably going to get blamed. And Kate, of course, is going to have to come to her own defense because Edward's not going to support her. I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking there's going to be a blow up. There's six minutes left of this episode. So <laughs> something's going to happen. And I bet anything that $4,000 is coming out of Rick's allowance for like the rest of the time that he's living in that house and i'm sure he'll probably be grounded for quite a while i don't know we'll find out together
does. him too. Trunk space anymore, but it still goes. So, 
So, can I go back with them? I can't believe you're asking this. I won't be driving. Well, I never thought you would, son, but nevertheless... Please, Dad, we'll drive carefully. I won't... I won't be letting them go. Yeah, really. Letting him go. Kate, you really are the best. Thanks. Nice <laughs> kid. Yeah. Here's his bill. Have fun with that. Hearing where the broken window is at Rick and his friends sitting there. And Rick's all like, hey, Kate. Uh, hi, Dad. And then, um, yeah, Harmon gets him a table. I love how he calls it, like, oh, you must be Evil Knievel Sr. <laughs> so right away, Edward really lays into Rick with the fact, well, what the heck were you doing getting behind the wheel? You are only 15. You don't have a license. You could have been hurt. So Harmon, like, puts place settings and menus and everything. Rick grabs the menu, probably to, like, distract himself. But Edward, like, rips it right out of his hand. Like, what in the world possessed you to get behind the wheel of that vehicle? And he says, you don't have a license, you've never had a lesson, and you're underage. But Kate, of course, cuts in with Edward. It was an accident. It's like, it doesn't matter that it was an accident. He's lucky that the dang guy doesn't sue. I mean, he's lucky there aren't cops involved. Because then it would be a heck of a serious matter. And Rick probably wouldn't be getting his license until he's 21. So Edward ends up turning on Kate and saying, hey, you're sticking up for him after he conned you? And she's like, well, wait a minute. No, he didn't con her. No, he didn't. Why is Edward acting like his wife can't take care of herself or she's not capable of making decisions and things that, oh, my 15-year-old son is, like, conning you or taking advantage of you. And she's like, he didn't do that either. It almost sounds like Edward was going to say, if I'd have been there, you know what my answer would have been. It would have been no. But the fact that Rick waited until... Well, he didn't find out till well after Edward was gone anyway. 
So Edward's like, I'm not blaming you. And he's saying how, like, oh, you, you can't expect to learn how to handle a teenager. or She's known Rick as long as you have. So don't act like this just got thrown into her lap. And I still remember when she caught Rick and JT and Freddie watching that adult movie. I'd say she handled that one pretty well. And she wasn't even dating you at the time, Edward. Come on now. So Kay is like, Rick, can you go over there with your friends while I hash this out with your father? I like at least how Kate is standing up for herself. So, and, and I like that Kate says that she checked into it. She, you know, was making phone calls. She called Brad's mother, grandmother, his older brother. It's, she, I'm surprised she didn't say she called the police to get a background check on who the driver was going to be. So that way she had an idea. Like, what's his record like? Is it spotless? Does he have any tickets? Any moving violations? No, no you know, Sons of any kind, no one doing donuts in an empty parking lot or anything. Great. And she's saying, you know, I did everything you would have done. I don't know what Edward really have went to the trouble of, well, I need numbers. I want to call these people. I want to get verification. I want to know that this person you're going with is responsible and not just based on what you're saying. I, I think she went well above and beyond. But he is blaming her. Because Edward's like, but you let him go and look what happened. It's like, you're blaming her. She, no way in heck would she have known that that was going to happen. So, of course, Harmon comes in and is giving them coffee and everything like that and saying that I'm the injured party. I'm surprised he's like, you're lucky I don't sue and I didn't involve the cops. Because he very well could have, and it could have gotten to be a messy situation where Edward would have had to have brought in a lawyer. So Edward tells Harmon, like, can you please, my wife is a little upset. I'm trying to, we're working through something here. And she's like, I'm not upset. Oh, by the way, Harmon, can you leave that coffee? I just might want to pour it in somebody's lap. Which I'm not surprised, because she's getting irritated, and I'd be irritated too. You left it up to her to make the decision. Granted, there was no way to get a hold of Edward. I mean, if anything, she probably could have said, Rick, look, I want to try to get in touch with your dad. I really don't feel comfortable letting you leave the state for a week with no real adult supervision. So Brad, of course, is like, hey, Rick, how are they going to punish you? Are they going to pull out your fingernails? Are they going to take away all your sweaters? And Rick's like, I can't believe it. We were having such a good time, and how did it turn into this? So the driver, the owner of the car is like, well, simple. You got behind the wheel of my car, hit reverse, and backed into a building. And this guy looks like he might be familiar. I'm going to check him out, too. So Kate, of course, thinks that maybe if Rick hadn't had this accident, if he'd have come home from the trip with photographs and gifts and all that stuff, that Edward would have been fine. It wouldn't have been a problem. But the fact that Rick did have an accident... Edward sees fit to lay blame, like, oh, you made a mistake, Kate. That you, 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 just the fact that you let him go, I mean, like, whatever, man, ugh. It just irritates me. You know, he gave her the control and said that we should work together, 
you know, co-parenting and everything because we're married and we're both, you know, parenting this 15-year-old. And, yeah, I'm not going to be here. So, you know, all respons parental responsibility is now onto your shoulders. But don't sit there and blame her just because Rick had an accident. That's on Rick. Once Rick left the house, Rick's responsibility now falls onto Rick's shoulders. Kate has no control from there. How is she going to parent from New York when he's in Fort Lauderdale? Brad needs to shut his face. It's like, wow, Stratton, it's really a blast watching your parents go at it and fight with each other. It's like, <sighs> I don't know what teenagers think. Oh, it's fun. Let's watch your parents fight with each other. I would immediately be like, I'm uncomfortable. They can just up and go. They don't need to wait there for Rick. What are they waiting for exactly? They're like, hey, are you going to go with us or are you going to hang around with for waiting for mommy and daddy? So Rick, of course, I cannot believe he's got the gall to even ask if he can go with his friends. I'd be like, no, you can sit your butt there, wait for us to get done fighting, and then you're going to ride home with us in the jet. You are not, I, you, you say goodbye to your friends because you aren't going to see them for quite some time. I'm trying to think, is, is Brad like a year older than, or is he in the same grade as Rick is? Because if that's the case and he's 15 too, he doesn't have a license either. Rick's like, oh no, are you kidding? I'm going with you guys. <laughs> I'll just go tell them that. Uh, oh, you're you're gonna tell them, are you? Uh-huh, yeah. You might wanna park it. But no, he does. He goes over there and says, hey, um, I'm gonna go with them if that's okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got some gall, kid. So Kate is calling Edward resentful with the whole fact of he just thinks of Rick as his responsibility, you know, it's his son, and how he won't let Kate co-parent with him even though he's like oh no we should do this together you know you're a parent now too <laughs> now Kate pretty much says you know what you want to have the responsibility of disciplining your son then that's all on you because I'm I wash my hands of all of it so here comes Rick saying hey can I go with my friends or do I have to wait and go with you and it's like oh my god the fact that he's even asking that just boils my nerves like did you learn nothing <sighs> you're lucky if he edward will ever let you see the light of day for a very long time other than going to school <sighs> yeah rick comes over there it's like hey the guys are getting ready to go and edward's like the car still runs like after being backed into a, a side of a building taken out a big window and Rick's like, yeah, well, there's not as much trunk space anymore, but it runs. Oh, my God! I would say that car would have some serious body damage. Not to mention, I wouldn't trust it to get back from South Carolina to New York in one piece. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, Rick's just worried about how he's going to look in front of his friends. I love Edward's response. Like, I can't believe you're even asking me this. So Edward's like, well, it's a tough one, but hey, Kate, what do you think about it? I, I'm surprised she didn't say no. So far, she's 0 for 3 in the no department. So Kate's surprised, like, oh, you want to know what I think? And Edward's like, yeah. 
I think this is a decision we should make together. So she's like, oh, yeah, but just this one time. And he's like, oh, no, this is no different than any decision we'll make together in the future. No, oh, Kate says she thinks Rick should go. And Edward kind of raises an eyebrow like, well, that's not what I was hoping you would say. But, of course, there's a hitch to this. Kate says, I think you should go after your father decides how long you should be grounded for. Hey, I, I can't believe the gall of Rick grounded. What? Why? Like, <sighs> sometimes teenagers can be so dense. Granted, I'm speaking from the mouth of a 37-year-old. I mean, I know I was 15 once, too, but I knew if I did wrong, my butt was on the line. There was no... Getting out of it. I, I lost car privileges. I lost car privileges on my 18th birthday for the majority of my senior year. But then again, I was skipping a lot of my junior year by arriving to school late and stuff. But that's a story for another time. I love Harmon always coming in there with his coffee. There's like no one else in there. <laughs> but Edward says two months and Harmon's like oh I think you're lucky you didn't rob a bank there son <laughs> I'm surprised that he's not going to be like oh and by the way you're going to be working off that $4,000 that I now have to pay to repair this man's window in his restaurant so Rick balks it two months oh it's just a little hole once Harmon will fix it once you give him the four thousand you know what on second thought two months is fair so of course Brad and the guys are like hey Stratton you coming with us or aren't you so Rick's like Kate you really are the best and kisses her on the cheek <laughs> Harmon's like oh nice kid and I love how Kate has got her hand on Edward's hand and of course Harmon's like oh here's his bill by the way of course they hear that car take off and they both, Edward and Kate, look at each other like, do we make the right decision? Like, don't stop at any more diners. Don't like let Rick behind the wheel either. Alright, and that's the episode, guys. I thought this was a good one. I liked it. Um, as far as, I'm probably going to go with an average 3 out of 5 uh, train rating on this. I really like, you know, that Edward did give Kate kind of slap the reins like I'm gonna leave it up to you you know you're a parent now you need to start having some say in disciplining Rick and telling him if he can and can't do something you know and he, he you know he put his faith in her and everything I like that aspect but then of course I didn't like how later on now he's blaming her and just calling her out like oh you shouldn't have done that I wouldn't have done that if I was in your position and just like oh you can't parent a teenager overnight but I mean I like that at first that he did have the confidence in her and wanted to include her since you know they're married and everything I like we got Alfonso in the beginning <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool but I did like Edward and Kate actually kind of working things out and him saying, yes, I trust you. We're going to work on this together when it comes to parenting Rick. I, you know, I liked in the beginning how he, and then also he, he learned like, it's not just me that should be parenting him. It should be us. Not blaming Kate and just, you know, he, Rick didn't con her or anything, so... 
Another thing, I really like the fact that Kate went above and beyond. She went and called the people that she felt she wanted to make sure that Rick was in good hands, that it was going to be safe, that this person who was driving had a good driving record. She even called the police. I liked that as well. The things I didn't like, I really, I didn't like the fact that Rick did kind of put her in, Kate in a position like this. Where unless she said yes, then he was just going to be all... You know what I mean. I mean, and the one thing that I didn't like, Rick, especially, is like, oh my gosh, you've grown it for two months? I mean, it's just a little hole that'll be fixed up. It's like, ugh. But, you know, he's a teenager. Teenagers can be irrational and not straightforward thinking. Um, Silver Spoonful. I've never had a step-parent before, so I... But I would imagine it's got to be the same thing with having two parents. You're not going to, one parent says, no, let's go to the other parent. Oh, dad's out of town, so let's ask mom, because you know she's a soft touch. Like, don't, that, I mean, if you know, I mean, going out of the state without an adult and you're 15, there's no way in the world your parents would be allowing that to happen. A trip you take like summer vacation you just graduated from high school or if you're going on a trip like that you're going with a whole group of people and their parents or whatever I don't know I liked this one so let's talk about what the next episode is going to be the next episode is going to be Season 4, episode 14, entitled The Lady is a Tramp, which aired on January 5th, 1986. This is the first episode in 1986. Rick invites a bag lady to dinner where she makes quite an impression on a client of Edwards. This has got a 7.0 out of 10. What did the last episode have? Other one ha that one had a 7.5. Alright, cool, cool. Alright, let's see who we got here. Any guest stars? Yes, Barbara Kaysen plays the bag lady. We have Joe Marie Payton, who plays the housekeeper for one episode, and someone named Rupert Metcalf, played by Emery Matt, or Emery Bass, which I guess is a client of Edwards. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, Raiders W, David W. Duclan, and of course, the creators, and written by Steve Papoon. All right. And, of course, you know Martin Cohen and Howard Leeds and Ben Starr and all them. Yeah. So, all right. Let's jump into The Lady is a Tramp. All right. We come out of the intro and we are in the kitchen. It looks like Rick is trying to worm something out of Edward. What, like information or get him to agree... Take the two months of grounding are up at this point. So yeah, Rick's asking Kate, like, when you need to worm something out of Dad, what do you do? It's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> but Kate's like, I would never worm something out of your father. Besides, it wouldn't work for you as she's... I think she's making coffee. It's like, well, of course it wouldn't work for him. <laughs> he needs an increase on his allowance. That's what's go For what? Probably for a girl would be my guess. 
Oh, his class is going on a ski trip and he needs to buy a few things. That's why. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Kate's like, well, what kind of things? And he's like, oh, well, skis would be nice. Just rent. You're going skiing, right? The place has got all the stuff you need. Just rent. I mean, unless you're going to be doing a lot of t skiing and stuff like that, do you really need your own pair? I mean, come on. I want to look up and see how much a pair of skis cost. I mean, this is going to be like 2020 prices, not 1986 prices. So this says cross-country skis can cost anywhere from $90 as much to as much as $350 depending on the brand. These type of skis are ideal for those who want to maneuver through the snow rather than go downhill. Twin tip skis can cost anywhere from $140 to as much as $800. Twin tip skis tend to have a narrower waist compared to traditional skis. Gotcha. He's already got them? Would y'all grow them? Oh, it's because his skis have Snoopy on them. That's why he needs to get, like, some cool ones with, like, maybe some neon colors. Maybe some black, purple, or lime green. I don't know. All right, let's see how this goes down. Is he going to ask Edward for the skis? Because Edward comes in and says, hey, son, what do you got planned? And Rick's like, nothing. I, I mean, I don't have anything going on. And Kate, of course, is like, well, Rick wants to ask you something. Yeah, let's see if he uh, tells him, like, I need some new skis. Ones that don't have Snoopy on them. And then Kate, when you want to worm something out of Dad, how do you do it? I never worm anything out of your father. Besides, it wouldn't work for you. <laughs> <laughs> What do you need? I need an increase in my allowance. You see, my class is going on a ski trip, and before we go, I have to buy a few things. Well, what kind of things? Skis would be nice. <laughs> well, you already have skis. But I'm older now. I need skis that don't have Snoopy on them. Hey, Rick. Hi, Dad. So, what are you up to? Nothing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've got nothing planned. Oh. I think Rick wants to ask you something. Oh? Nothing important. It can wait. <laughs> oh. He needs money for new ski equipment. Oh. <laughs> so he can go on a ski trip with his class. Lucky you have such an accomplished interpreter. <laughs> Dad, everyone's going on this trip. I'll do anything, anything, Dad. You name it, I'll do it. Yeah, right. All right, I guess there's a little work needs doing around here. Work? Yeah, you can start by taking out that garbage. Well, Dad, come when you on. Get out there, you can clean up around the greenhouse. Maybe I should just paint over Snoopy. <laughs> All right, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> oh, since Rick apparently can't get out what he needs to say, Kate kind of interprets that Rick's class is going on a, a ski trip and he really wants to go. And Rick's like, I'll do anything, anything to be able to go because, you know, he wants new skis. So Edward's like, okay, I can see, you know, there's some stuff around the house that needs to be taken care of. Uh, you can start with the trash. And then after that, you can do a little work around the greenhouse. And I'm like, I keep forgetting just how large their property is because we really don't see it. And then, of course, Rick's like, uh... 
like, I do that. It's like, dude, you just said you do anything. Now you're bulking at taking out the trash and cleaning up around a greenhouse. And so this is where we see this lady who's going through their trash. Oh, Kate must have thrown out a compact or something like that. Because the lady's like looking at her reflection. Um, I don't like the term bag lady. I really don't. But there's this woman who's got a stocking cap, a scarf, probably at least a couple layers of like sweaters on. Because it's, you know, January in New York, it's going to be freezing. Oh, she takes a look at her reflection and just tosses the compact. What is she looking for exactly? I guess is any other type of clothing materials, maybe some food, maybe someone dropped some coins in there. Probably something valuable she can take to a pawn shop and maybe get some money so she can eat. Holy gagoli, they've got like umpteen trash bins. And they're just the stand-up type that have the handles on the sides that you can pick up and carry. Not that you'd want to. But let's see Rick's reaction to this lady, this homeless lady. Well, what are you gawking at, little boy? I'm like, first what of all, this is my for? house. The Hope Diamond. I lost it in here somewhere. <laughs> I'm looking for something to eat. What do you think? Why? Because breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But this is just stuff we threw out. Why are you eating garbage? I left home without my American Express card, okay? Oh, my God. Good. Now we both got it. What's wrong with me? Look, are you going to be all right? Oh, yeah, I just need a little vitamin C. You throwing out any orange peels? <laughs> Look, uh, I I've got to get back in now. <laughs> hey, 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 don't eat that. It's going to make you sick. Are you crazy? I know people would kill for an avocado sandwich. That's tuna. <laughs> Green tuna. <laughs> and by the way, there's some stale chocolate cake in that one. You might like it. I had it last night. It's good. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm watching my figure. <laughs> okay, one thing that kind of gnaws on me is... So I can start to dump the trash, and she's all like... What are you doing out here? Why don't you mind your own business? It's like, lady, you on his property... Okay, going through his stuff and his family's stuff. And why is it? I mean, I know they're in New York and Growing Pains did a Christmas episode that had, um, I believe the actress's name was Haley Todd, who played um, a homeless teen. And she, of course, had an accent. And this lady kind of puts up, maybe because both shows are in New York and everything, but Rick's like, why are you going through our trash? Notice he never asks for this lady's name. Never once. Oh no, when Rick comes out there, she just looks at him and says, what are you gawking at, little boy? But I, I mean, I like, she's kind of putting up a front kind of like, he's like, hey, what, what are you looking for? And she's like, the Hope Diamond, I lost it in here somewhere. 
So, of course, Rick is the master of 20 questions here. And he's like, why are you digging through our garbage? She's like, I'm looking for something to eat. And he's like, why? This is just stuff we threw out. She's like, well, I left home without my American Express card. And breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So she goes to get what she thinks is an avocado sandwich or part of it. And Rick's like, no, that would be tuna. Green tuna as she goes to hold it up to her mouth. Oh, by the way, there's some stale chocolate cake in there from last night that I had. (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty much the gist of that. Is he going to come in and say, hey, Kate, Dad, I saw um, there's a lady out there digging through the trash. Back in the kitchen, Kate and Edward are talking about... So Rupert Metcalf, I'm guessing, is the individual that's going to be coming to the Stratton house for shrimp and caviar because he's going to be placing a huge toy order with Eddie Toys. And (laughs) Kate's got this plate that's got Princess Di's face on the front of it. Why would you be eating off those? Those are collectibles, aren't they? Wouldn't they be better in like a glass cabinet where you can show them off? But the doorbell rings and that's when Rick comes in And asks Edward, do you ever feel embarrassed by how much you have? Like, how much money you have? And Edward kind of says to that, well, sometimes I think I have a bit more than my fair share. And Rick sits down at the kitchen table and says, well, what about people that don't have anything? And Edward tells Rick, like, I think we should help them any way that we can. So Rick's like, oh, so, like, give them money. And Edward's like, well, not just money, but... But if you want to make changes, then you got to get involved. And Rick's like, oh, like you did in the 60s. And Edward's like, well, yeah, with marches and different things like that. Causes and marches, protests, and sit-ins. Love-ins? I don't even want to ask. I don't even want to know. So, of course, Rick, when he went outside originally and saw the homeless lady, we don't know her name yet, but, um... Yeah, he didn't have a coat on, and she had, like I said, like at least probably a couple sweaters or more, and she starts coughing. I'm like, well, clearly it's cold and everything. I don't know whether she smokes or has emphysema or respiratory issues, but Rick goes over, kind of pats her on the back, and all of a sudden this cloud of dust just comes up, and (laughs) he starts, and she's like, oh, great, you got it too. Like, no, but I'm just thinking because he went outside without his coat, it's like, maybe he can empathize with her that, you know, it's cold out. I mean, because he can go put on a coat, which I'm surprised he didn't do that. So he's just looking to Edward for advice. He doesn't really give any real specifics. As far as, I met a homeless lady outside, what can I do to help her kind of... And the thing is, maybe throwing money at the situation is not going to be the best way to go because people can take offense to it. Like, how dare you try to help me? I'm just trying to make my way in the world. I don't need your... They see it as charity. Which, a lot of people, they're just, they're too proud to ask for it. Or they're embarrassed and stuff like that. So, I'm going to play this clip. Dad, Mm. have you ever been embarrassed about how much money you have? Well, sometimes I think I have more than my share. Well, what about people who don't have anything? I think we should help them any way we can. You mean give them money? Well, not just money. If you really want to make changes, you got to get involved. 
Oh, like you did in the 60s. That's right. We had marches, protests, sit-ins, love-ins. <laughs> what was your question? I think you've answered it. I've got to finish up outside. Good boy. Hi, Edward. Hey, Dex. Hi, Dex. Hi, Rich. I told Dexter that we were having Rupert Metcalf for dinner on Friday and that I was making the hors d'oeuvres. And he turned pale. He's still not sure that'll impress old Rupert. What are you saying? We're on thin ice? I'm saying we're at the bottom of the lake. Rupert Metcalf is a British gourmet. Hot dogs and peanut crunchies are not his cup of tea. I resent that. I haven't made peanut crunchies in a week. How about pigs in a blanket? Oh, no, no. Listen, I'll tell you something. Leave everything to me. I'll order a nice pot salmon, a terrine of duck pate, some nice little escargot. I'll even get someone to help us serve. Give the proceedings a little touch of class. I told you it would work. Oh, okay. Come on now, you can do it. I'm, I'll be fine. Just uh, would you stop shoving me? Dad, Kate Dexter, I, I want you to meet someone. What's your name? Okay, so this was just a ruse the whole time, like Kate was going to cook and everything. But no, it was just a ruse because, of course, Dexter is going to plan this whole event for this Rupert guy. <laughs> yeah. So Rick brings in the homeless lady, and of course, she's just coughing. And mind you, Edward, Kate, and Dexter are all in the kitchen, and the lady just passes out. Like, oh boy. So Rick and Edward are in the living room polishing the silver, like the tea set and all that, getting ready for this Rupert guy. And they have the homeless lady. We don't know her name yet. And Rick is kind of like wondering, like, we got to find out what her name is, her background and everything. And Edward kind of tells Rick, it's like, you know, not everyone has, like, a happy family background. It comes down and she's saying how the lady has a terrible chest cold. They really should bring a doctor out there to check her out, do an examination or something. And apparently she hasn't eat. seems like she hasn't had a good home-cooked meal in like a month. And Rick's like, well, that's because she's been eating frozen dinners. Like, frozen, frozen. Like, she's been eating out of trash cans. And it's, like, January. So, yeah, I mean, they don't really have anything to go on. They don't have a name. Uh, they don't know how long she's been on the streets. Nothing to go on. But Rick turns to Edward and says, hey, wouldn't it... I mean, can't she just stay here until she gets better? And Edward, I'm like with him, I'm with Edward, like, it would be probably best if she checked into a hospital, especially with that cough, which could most likely turn into pneumonia if it hasn't already. Both Kate and Rick are jumping around that let's let the homeless lady stay here while she recovers. So I can imagine that Edward's going to have reservations because, like I said, they don't know anything about her. Dad, I've been thinking. We've got to find out who she is and if she's got a family. Don't get your hopes up, son. Life isn't a fairy tale where everybody lives happily ever after. What do you think, Kate? 
Is she all right, Kate? No, she's not all right. She's got a terrible chest cold. And I don't think she's had a square meal in a month. All she ever eats is frozen dinners. And I mean frozen. <laughs> she has a terrible cough. Why can't she stay here until she's feeling better? Wouldn't it make more sense to check her into a hospital? Well, I don't think she's that sick. Why don't we just let her stay here? Yeah, just until she's better. Why don't we get her into a nice halfway house or a, a neighborhood shelter? This could be the neighborhood shelter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, not for everybody, Dad. Just for her. <sighs> How about it? Come on. I'm very, very proud of your attitude. Then she can stay? I didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what he meant. Right, Edward? Now, come on, I don't want to sound like Scrooge. <laughs> so she can stay. But only until she's better. Well, Edward also mentions a halfway house. Like, you don't know, I don't think she seems like she's on drugs or anything, but... You know, Kate and Rick are all like, come on, why can't she stay here and everything? And I'm like, yeah, practice what you preach, Edward. And I mean, he just definitely wants to get her into a hospital or halfway house or someplace. And it's like, why can't she just recuperate there? You guys know you have the space. So Edward finally does agree to let her stay. And just until she gets better. Why does it almost sound like... They're taking in a dog off the street. Just the wording and stuff, like, only until she gets better. It's like... So, the homeless... I really wish we could get a name for her because I don't like just calling her the homeless lady. She comes down what looks like is a very nice robe, probably Edward's or Kate's, I don't know. And probably somebody's pajama top and bottoms. And she's like, hey, kid, who stole my duds? Meaning, you know, her clothes. Well, I'm sure they needed to be washed and disinfected. So, if you think about it, I mean, she really wants her clothes. But she's probably got her personal information in there. You know, you know, wallet and personal information or, or whatever. And she just, she wants her clothes. And Rick's like, well, I think my dad buried them. He's like, what's the big deal? We'll get you new clothes. And she's just, right away, she starts panicking. Like, I gotta get out of here. So I'm going to play this clip. Okay, kid. Who stole my duds? <laughs> hey, you look different. Save it, kid. Where are my clothes? I think my father buried them. <laughs> we'll buy you new clothes. Look, I, I, I got to get out of here. I got people to see, appointments to keep. I'm, uh, I'm expected. You can't go out there. It's 20 degrees. With the wind chill factor, it's 10 below zero. They're expecting four inches of snow tonight. What are you? A teenage weatherman? <laughs> Don't you have any family or friends? Right now, I'd settle for clothes. Look, there must be somebody I can phone. Someone I can contact for you. No, there's not. And even if there were, they, they wouldn't want to hear from me anyway. Better kid. Listen to yourself. Look, look. Stay here till you're okay. You poison your garbage. You steal my clothes. You make me dress up like your father. 
You are looking for a lawsuit. <laughs> so Rick, of course, tells her it's like 20 degrees outside and the wind chill factor is like 10 below. So it's, And she just starts hacking, you know, coughing and everything. It's just like, look, you can't go out there. Is there anybody that we can call? And she says, no. Even if there was, they wouldn't want to hear from me. My guess is it's got to be her kids. Her kids are grown. They probably don't call very often. There's got to be something there. There's got to be a reason why. Maybe she got divorced. Maybe she lost her job. And she's living in... I, I, I don't know her circumstances. I kind of, I'm interested to find out how she got to be in the situation that she's in. But clearly, I, I honestly think that she has some kids that probably don't live nearby, that probably don't really call her, and stuff just, I don't know, maybe her husband passed away and the money ran out, or I, I don't know. So, of course, she's wearing, because she's like, you got me dressing like your father, you know, with Edward's robe and his pajamas and everything. Of course, because we kind of need to lighten the situation. She's like, you're looking at a lawsuit, and then she walks away. And Rick, of course, can't get it. I mean, look at everything that this kid has. He can't understand her. Not to mention, I mean, he's a kid, and she's an adult and everything like that. So, the Rick sees... A bunch of garbage bags in the kitchen. Like, ugh, not more garbage. But then he starts rifling through it. And there's this old black and white picket. Why would that be in the trash? Because we, we see it. And it's a picture of her. She looks so happy. And she's got a little girl there. Or is, She just looks so happy. Or maybe that could be a granddaughter. I don't know. It's just, oh. I mean, the picture definitely has creases in it. There's a little rip at the bottom, but it's just like, I want to know what happened. And so it looks like that could be her daughter in the picture, and her daughter would be, if she was born in 1961, then she's right around probably 24 going on 25. So I guess her daughter must be Arlene, and it's a picture of her 8th birthday. 1969. November 20th, 1969. And the picture, I guess, was taken in Seattle. Okay, so maybe at like a portrait studio or something. So we see the telephone. I think that Rick's wheels are turning. Like, all right, let's see here what we can come up with. Not more garbage. <laughs> Arlene's eighth birthday, November 20th, 1969. Patterson Photo, Seattle. liking this episode there's a mystery and i really want to i want to find out about this lady i really do like what happened 
<clears throat> so Rick decides to call information and get the number for the uh, Patterson photo place in Seattle. Maybe he can get some information. But then again, I don't really see... I can't see even back in 85 them giving out personal information. Like, do you have a contact number for this person or, or whatever? Or what can you tell me about this person? Because that photo was taken back in 1969. So now we're getting ready for this party for Rupert. And Rick's like, hey, why don't we invite the homeless lady? I mean, we still don't know her name. Um, well, I, <clears throat> Rick's like, hey, Dad, look, she can borrow one of Kate's dresses and everything and, and get dolled up and whatnot. And Edward's like, son, I don't know if she'd even want to do that. And we don't know how she'd feel about that. And Dexter, of course, is like, you know, we have this important client coming and you want him to mix with one of the mole people? I don't... Phew. Rick is really putting Edward through the paces here. He's like, what's more important? Or an order for your business or giving a human being back her self-esteem? I don't think her going to this party is going to give her her self-esteem. If anything, you're going to put her in an awkward situation... That she doesn't want to be in. And she's going to take off. So the maid takes Dexter and says one of your, your snails are burning. So he goes off to the kitchen. And Edward's like, Kate, Rick thinks we should invite the homeless lady to the dinner. And Kate, of course, is getting her earrings put on. And she asks, like, oh, she didn't hear. But she's like, Aggie, can you bring my other earring? And, of course, she winks like this was the plan all along. And I guess we'll call her, eh? Like, Edward's like, oh, you, she uh, told you what her name was. She's like, well, we had to call her something. I want to know what her real name I want to know her story. She's beautiful! Not that she wasn't before, but she's wearing this dress, and it's just just beautiful but she just seems so self-conscious that it really breaks my heart i know that she probably doesn't but she's oh she's so pretty i'm gonna play this clip okay rick is suggesting that we invite our guests to our dinner party what do you think darn i forgot my other earring uh, aggie could you bring me my other earring aggie she finally told you her name no, but we had to call her something. You know, you look fantastic. You look beautiful. I do, don't I? <laughs> Didn't I do a terrific job on her hair? Whose brush did you use? Stop it, Edward. Longer to talk her into it than it did to get her ready. Ready for what? Come on, Dad. Ask her. Ask me what? Now you're uh, upsetting her. Aggie, Rick, and Kate, and I are getting ready to have a little dinner party, as you can see, and we'd like very much for you to come. No, you should not want to do that. Well, it's it, it's very short notice. 
but I'd be delighted to attend. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, in celebration, how about telling us your real name? No. Why not? We're your friends. That name's associated with a past I just as soon forget. Why? None of your business. I forget. <laughs> no, tonight I I won't be me. Tonight I'll be Agatha Winthrop the Third. Sounds good. No. Wait, the first. Why should I be the third? There we go. Well, the escargot have been rescued. The rolls are rising, and I'm perspiring. Oh, I didn't know we had company. You must be Mrs. Metcalf, I presume. Uh, Miss Winthrop, I'd like you to meet Dexter Stuffins. Dexter, Miss Winthrop. How do you do? Charmed, I'm sure. Haven't we met somewhere before? You don't expect me to fall for that line, do you? You should have heard the one he tried on me in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get it. It's okay. Well, oh, hi, Mr. Patterson. What'd you find out? Hold on. I'll take this on another phone. Yeah. So does this mean I get my robe back? <laughs> Maybe. But not these. Oh, sure. So, yeah, they do invite... So she decides to go by Agatha Winthrop III after they invite her to the dinner party. And Edward, of course, before she comes up with this new identity... Edward's like, hey, why don't you tell us your real name? And she's like, no. And Rick's kind of pushing, like, well, why not? We're your friends. And she says, you know, that name is associated with a life I kind of would like to put behind me. I really like this. Agatha Winthrop. Well, she decides to be the first and not the third. So that's pretty cool. And, yeah, I mean, at first I was a little like, oh, she might not want to go to this dinner party, but no, she's like, okay, I'd be delighted. Like, okay, cool. Kate says to Edward that she spent more time convincing her to go than it took for her to get ready, so. <laughs> and she does have Edward's um, slippers on, like she's keeping those. <laughs> so the phone rings, of course, it's the... Patterson studio getting back with Rick, which I didn't know whether he could actually be giving out information like that, but I wonder if we'll get to hear more of that conversation. So, of course, we do have a maid here that I don't believe we ever see again. Um, maybe it's just for comedic relief, I guess. So Rupert arrives, the investor, and of course he is very smitten with, um, Agatha, like, right away, just looks at her. At first, when their eyes met, I'm like, does she know him? Does he know about her past? But no, no, he's just uh, very smitten with her looks and everything like that. And you could tell that Agatha, she's really nervous, like, ugh. This guy makes me nervous. I don't know about this Rupert guy. He really is coming on a bit strong. With Aggie. It just makes me nervous. So Rick comes in. It looks like he does want to take... He's got that look in his eye like, Dara, can I see you in the kitchen for a minute? Or something like... So we do not get to hear the rest of the conversation with the Mr. Patterson. The photographer at the studio in Seattle. R Rupert, of course, is taken by Rick like, Oh my gosh, an American teenager. Have you been out back hula hooping? Like, what? Is that that movie? Like, the... There's a movie 
American Graffiti or something. Like, maybe that's what that guy's basing that on. I don't know. Oh, Rick's actually going to talk to, as we say, Miss Winthrop. Okay, so he's going to talk to Agatha. I thought he's going to talk to, like, his dad, but I really, this makes me nervous about him confronting her. Like, she's keeping her past life to herself because that is her right as an, you know, a person to be able to keep her private life private. The fact that, I mean, I get it, he's curious, I'm curious too, but to go and just approach someone like and, and just say, hey, I know about what you're hiding. I know about who you used to be. It's like, don't do that. You are still a kid and she is still an adult. Don't do that. If she wanted you to know about her life, she would have told you. Okay, so I we're in the kitchen now with Rick and Agatha. And I really, this is not going to go well. I just, I get a feeling that this is just going to go really not good. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding. It's my old clothes. Well, there are miracles. <laughs> Would you please sit down? Mrs. Mary McClure. Rick, why are you doing this? H how did you find out? I found a picture of you and your daughter Arlene in your trash bag. You went into my luggage? <laughs> it wasn't locked. Anyway, I phoned Mr. Patterson in Seattle. Who's Mr. Patterson? The photographer. <laughs> he checked back on his records to November 1969. And there you were. But that's not the best part. How there, you go through my things. Really, Rick? Mr. Patterson you found your daughter. She's a nurse. <laughs> she wants to see you. Look, I don't like you poking into my business. I just want to be left alone. It's because you left your husband and daughter 16 years ago, isn't it? <laughs> Boy, you are a regular snoop. She still wants to hear from you. Mr. Patterson, he gave me your phone number. She wants you to call her. So, she knows where I am. <laughs> I'll be in the living room if you need me. And the phone is right there. Would you... I agree with Agatha... Since we... Actually, her real name is... Well, he starts off by saying, do you believe in miracles? And then she sees her clothes and she's going through them. And Rick's like, will you please sit down, Mrs. Mary McClure? And immediately, it's like, Rick, who do you think you are? And she's like, you went through my stuff. And his defense is like, oh, well, it wasn't locked. Yeah, it was a garbage bag. Seriously. You don't, you don't do stuff like that. And just say, well, it wasn't locked. <sighs> Turns out what we learned, which isn't a whole lot. Apparently, he got her information. Well, what? much of it he could from the photographer from 1969 in Seattle. And apparently she left her husband and daughter 
you know, 16 years prior. And her daughter is a nurse, and she, of course, has her, you know, gave Rick the number because she really wants her mother to call her. And I'm just like, something must have happened that made her up and, and leave. We don't know whether it's a mental illness, a drug addiction, alcoholism. We don't know, and I don't think we get that information. But I'm still with her as in, just because I'm a guest in your home doesn't give you the right to go through my things, snoop through my stuff, and my personal life. There's a reason why she put that stuff in the past. I mean, she has every right to be angry with him. Because Rick's like, oh, I found Mr. Patterson. And she's like, who's Mr. Patterson? Yeah, she's not going to remember from 1969 when she had a photo taken with her and her daughter. That guy's records go all that way back? Wow. So Mr. Patterson did his own sleuthing and found her daughter and that she's a nurse and that she wants to to see her mom. So yeah, we're getting information from Rick that she left her husband and kid like 16 years ago. And she's just frustrated. It's like, I just want to be left alone. So something clearly happened there. We don't know what. And of course the daughter wants her mother to call her. And that's just amazing. Just the fact, probably, that, you know, just to know that her mother is alive and and. I'm, I mean, I'm just surprised. It, just, it seems like with a situation like that, that the child basically grew up without her mom, not knowing if her mom was alive or where she was, that the, I'm sure that her daughter probably does feel resentment towards her mother. Like, why did you leave? Why did you put me through that? You know, stuff like that. So I really hope we kind of get to the bottom, like, that she does reconnect with her daughter. As far as her husband, I have no idea. I really don't care about this Rupert guy. I don't care. He's just, he's not interesting. I'm more interested in what's going on with Agatha slash Mary. She left. I kind of figured, Rick, you really shouldn't have pushed into this. You really, really should have just left it alone. Of course she left because she's got, you know, the dress that Kate had loaned her. Way to go, buddy. Ran her off because you couldn't keep your mouth shut and you couldn't keep your business to yourself. She's gone. Why? Gone? Yep, she left Arlene's phone number. I'll bet she didn't even phone her. Well, who's Arlene? <laughs> Mrs. McClure's daughter. Who's Mrs. McClure? Miss Winthrop. Miss Winthrop is Mrs. McClure? Yes. How do you know all this? The photographer told me. What photographer? Mr. Patterson. Who's Mr. Patterson? Never mind him. I'm still working on Mrs. McClure. (laughs) She's gone. Mrs. McClure. Now you've got it, Kate. Well, where'd she go? I don't know, Dad, but I've got to find out. Well, I'll come with you, son. What should I do about Mr. Metcalf? Who cares? Executive, think of something. (laughs) So, Rick has Edward and Kate come in. Of course, like I said, she's gone. She left. He's like, I bet she didn't even call her daughter. It's like, you know what? I'm not getting into it anymore. I'm I'm just so angry and irritated that he felt he had the gall to 
question her. In an, like, but of course, Edward and Kate are kind of in the dark. Like we, they had no idea any of this was transpiring. Like, what Agatha's name is actually Mary, uh, the photographer Patterson in Seattle, and it's just like what, what, who, huh, what, what, Winthrop, what. So it's like, all right, Kate, you stay here and entertain Rupert because we don't really care about him. I don't care about him. And Edward and um, Rick are going to try to find Agatha Winthrop slash Mary. I hope that... Right now, it looks like they're in the back by the greenhouse. Maybe they're, that's where Rick originally found her, so maybe he thinks she went back there. Maybe the park. We've been to the park. Maybe the mall. We've been to the mall. Maybe the greenhouse. We've been to the greenhouse, Rick. Come on, we're tired, we're starving, and we're freezing. Now we know how she feels, Dad. Try the greenhouse again. Buzz off! <laughs> There's the on the floor. Yeah, wrong address. Please open up. We're getting frostbite. Where were you born? In a barn? Close that door. <laughs> Why did you leave? Bloomingdale's was having a sale. How about coming back up to the house where it's warm and we can talk? I don't want do you mind? You forgot this. Your daughter's phone number. She left her for a reason. She's not calling her kid. Let it go. If I gave you a bus ticket, <laughs> would you go to Seattle? Would you have offered Miss Winthrop a bus ticket? I would have offered her a plane ticket. First class or economy? First class. I'll take it. All right. I'll make a reservation. You can pick it up at the airport. You don't trust me with the cash. You want cash? Nice kid there. Nosy, but nice. So, think she'll go? Your guess is as good as mine. You mean after all this, she could go back to being a bad lady? If she feels like it. Unlike most of those poor souls, she has a choice. Let's hope she makes the right choice. Oh, 
whether she does or not, you did all you could to help her. <laughs> you did good, son. Thanks. And Rick? Yeah, Dad. From now on, I'll take out the garbage. <laughs> So we're in the, by the greenhouse, you know, Edward and Rick, they went to the park, they went to the mall, they've been by the greenhouse, but they didn't go into the greenhouse. So when they go to open the door, we hear this buzz off. So of course, Mary is in there and they're trying to get her to go and... Well, Rick is trying to get her, like, call your daughter. Of course, Edward's complaining, like, it's cold, I'm tired, can we go up to the house and talk? And, of course, you know, where it's warm. And she just looks at him, like, I don't want to talk. Rick's like, oh, well, you forgot this. It's your daughter's phone number, which you clearly forgot to take. And they're saying, well, what about if we got you a bus ticket? To go to Seattle. Like, I, I'm guessing is that where her she used to live? That's where her daughter is now? And she looks at Edward like, Would you have offered Miss Winthrop a bus ticket? And we see kind of Edward or Rick behind her going like, No, like a plane. Give her, you know, offer her, you know, airfare and she's like what would I be in like first class or economy and you see Rick like holding up a one like first class and so of course he's like ask about the cash what so you won't trust me with cash Edward pulls his wallet out gives her the cash she takes her garbage bag possessions and leaves I hope oh I like what she said as she turned around and said you got a good kid there nosy But you got a good kid there. He's got a good heart. And I agree Rick is caring. I know that because he's a teenager, sometimes the way that he cares can be a bit intrusive. But he just... He's got a good heart. I mean, I'll I'll give him that. And he likes to see things through. He wants to help this lady reconnect with her daughter. So Mary leaves... And Rick asks Edward, so do you think after all this she could go back to being a bag lady? And Edward's like, if she feels like it, she could. And he says, you know, unlike most of those poor souls, she has a choice. And Rick's just hoping, you know, she makes the right choice. And Edward looks at Rick and says, you know what? No matter what choice you make, just know that you you did all you could to help her out. He says, you did good, son, as he puts an arm around Rick, and then they go back to the house. So, Edward, of course, says to Rick, you know, from now on, I'll take out the garbage. I feel that Rick really can teach Edward about humility. And about, um, humanity and stuff. I'm not saying that Edward is stingy, that he doesn't, you know, because he has money and everything, he doesn't know how the other half lives. But I think that Rick really kind of helped him see, like, look past the the clothes and 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 everything. And there's a person underneath 
all of that that's hurting that's done and we shouldn't be judging her we should be helping her even though she doesn't want to be helped but Alright, so here's the end of the episode as they're all celebrating in honor of Miss Winthrop slash Mary moving on. Do any toys. Here, here. To Metcalfs of London. To me. <laughs> She's right, Eddie. The lady deserves a bonus. Roop, old boy. She's going to get one. Oh, I bet she is. (laughs) To Miss Winthrop, wherever she may be. Indeed. Seattle, you say? Uh, There was some talk of Seattle, yeah. And an airline? I can't say more. I wonder if she's buying Boeings. Alright, so that is the episode. I really enjoyed this one. Maybe even a little more. I liked Second Class Parent. I'd say that one definitely would be first. This one would be second. I'm definitely going to give this one 5 out of 5. Actually, um, you know, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 just because I really didn't care for the whole Rupert. That um, toy guy from the UK or wherever he came from. Um, but I really like, really liked um, Agatha Winthrop slash Mary. I really liked her character. Liked how the episode talked about homelessness. I liked Rick stepping up, even though he's a bit of a snoop. He stepped up and he saw that, you know, this is someone we need to help. And just he kind of looked at himself and, like, the money that he and his family have and how this lady doesn't really have anything and just how he kind of wanted to help her out. And, of course, Kate helping her, you know, convince her to go to the party and then, you know, help her dress and everything like that. But I also like Mary kind of saying to Rick, this really isn't his business. When he's like, oh, I tracked the photographer down. I got your daughter's phone number. She wants you to call her, that kind of thing. Silver Spoonful is just going to be, you know, we live in an age where we are more in a position to help each other when it comes to this. There are different ways, you know, doing fundraisers, um, setting up uh, GoFundMe accounts or whatever, doing like a food drives and just other ways to help the less fortunate. All right, now we're on to season four, episode 15, entitled Stratton and Stratton, which aired on January 12th, 1986. In this episode, Rick invents a, invents a board game called Rock Express, but refuses to take Edward's advice on how to market it. Which I think is stupid because your dad owns a toy company and would know how to market a product versus a 15-year-old boy that would not know how to properly market a product. And I think this Rock Express, it's got to be something like a board game version of Guitar Hero. Um, or one of those things where it's like you start out as your 
got abandoned in your garage and then you want to make a demo tape or a CD or whatever and then you want to like start getting gigs and eventually you want to work your way up to total stardom you got your platinum records all that stuff world tours stuff like that all right so it looks like we got Alfonso coming back from his visit with his mom we'll probably not hear about it uh, we got Wally we got Bernard we got First customer and second customer. Okay, interesting. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duhlan, and of course, six others. You know who they are. Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy. It was written by Jim Gugan. Ben Starr, Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds. You know them. Alright, without further ado, let's jump into Stratton and Stratton and see how this is going to work out for Rick. I don't think it's going to work out too well. His first little business venture here. So Rick's on the phone with um, a concert hall. He's trying to get Bruce Bruce Springsteen tickets. Front row, of course. My guess is he's got a girl that he wants to take to Bruce Springsteen. Of course, she's going to want front row. He wants to impress her. $300. Now, is that just for one ticket or for two? Mind you, this is 19, early, this is January 1986. I can only imagine front row tickets for Bruce Springsteen are probably going to range like 500 to 800 to 1,000. I don't know. It depends on where he's playing, the venue, all that stuff. Rick's like, oh, we must have a bad connection. I thought I heard you say $300. This is insane. He's like, oh, um, how much can you get for 20 bucks? You can't even get in the door for 20 bucks for Bruce Springsteen. No way. Hang up the phone right now, or I'm sure they hang up on you. Let's find out. And now, Lens Ticket Agency. Hi. Do you have tickets for the Bruce Springsteen concert Saturday night? You do? Great. Well, how much do you charge for front row ticket? I'm sorry. We must have a bad connection. I thought I heard you say $300. Oh, you did? Well, what can I get for $20? Hello? No, thanks. I don't want to see Tony in the toenails. Thanks. Hey, Rick. Well, what happened? How'd it go? Well, I tried to get third row seats. Forget it. I've just been laughed at by every ticket agent in town. Will you sell for a fourth row? How? Amazing. Incredible. How did you pull it off? My cousin's best friend's sister lives next door to Springsteen's bass player's father's brother-in-law. Why didn't you tell me you had primo contacts like that? Well, I wasn't sure they'd come through. What a break. Yeah, rock and roll isn't easy. No kidding. First, you wait in line for three hours just to find they're sold out. Then you call up a ticket agency. They've got the tickets all right, but at rip-off prices. It's amazing anybody gets to a rock concert. Get to the rock concert. We're already going to the rock concert. No, it's an idea for a game for my dad's toy company. Do you want to work on it with me? No, I'd rather go find some friends and glow. <laughs> All right, Alfonso's come in, and oh my goodness, he's like, oh man. I tried to get third row seats. Forget it. And Rick's like, oh, that sucks. So Alfonso's like, would you settle for fourth row? And I'm like, ah! Like, I gotta hear how this 
how this went down. Of course, it's some confusing. Basically, let's boil this down to he knows a person who knows a person who knows a person who lives in so-and-so's basement or something to that effect. Because it's just confusing to try to go through the whole spiel. Cousin's best friend's sister oh, next, lives next door to Springsteen's bass player's other's brother-in-law. Woo! Oh, what, that guy just happened to have tickets? It must have cost him. How much did it cost him? We won't know. But I couldn't have been more wrong about what Rick's board game is. Which doesn't make sense for a board game. Um, it sounds more like an app or something you would make in today's age. It's like, get to the rock concert. Hmm. And Alfonso's like, well, we're already going to the rock concert. And Rick's like, no, this would be a great game for my dad's company. What? A, a game? What? What? What's he talking about? This is an idea for a game? To help someone get to a rock concert? So that premise makes, like I said, that sounds like an app. Like, here, let me find out where the best ticket prices are for Bruce Springsteen. All right, is this going to be plot B? It's late at night, and Kate and Edward come back from, I'm guessing they went dancing, because they come in and they're just kind of dancing. It's like, it's dark in there. You're going to hit something. So they start making out on the couch, and clearly, I bet anything, Rick's going to come in and the lights will be on. It's like, oh, God, the parents are making out again. Can you, like, not do that in front of me? Can you, like, go upstairs behind closed doors and do that there? <laughs> I forgot how much I love dancing. Ah, that was fun, wasn't it? Oh, and you, I couldn't believe some of the steps you were doing. Hey, you think tonight was something? Next time I lead. (laughs) Fred Astaire, look out. Hiya. Of course. Don't you have school tomorrow? I mean, what are you doing up? Waiting for you guys. Why? Oh, and getting a little snack. <laughs> what is that? A salute to cavities? Oh yeah. Dad, you're about to have the thrill of a lifetime. Ah, uh, can't it wait till morning? It came to me, all at once, like a vision. Are you feeling all right? Kate, would you quit it? I came up with a great new game for Eddie Toys. It's called Get to the Rock Concert. Don't you love it? The object is to get to a rock concert. <laughs> Well, that sounds interesting, son, but right now your object is to get to bed. But I haven't told you how it goes. See, look, look, look. This is where the players live, and over here's the rock concert. Son, son, I'm glad you caught up with ideas, but I think we should wait until you're not so tired. But I'm not tired. He's wired. We agreed you go to bed at 11 o'clock on school nights, and it's 1 in the morning. Whoa. 12.53. (laughs) Dad, you're starting to dampen my enthusiasm. Look, let's talk about it in the morning when we're fresh, okay? Okay, fine. I tried to give Eddie Toys the first shot, so I guess I'll just have to bring my game to another toy company. I'll risk it. Ha! <laughs> How do you like that? We just said goodnight with mutual threats. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff's starting to happen all the time lately. Well, you well, why didn't you talk to him about it? I did. We had a big argument about whether we're arguing more. <laughs> Seems like in the last month, he's turned into the most dreaded species on Earth. A teenager. Well, duh. 
Inside that teenager is your son. I'm thinking of asking for a blood test. Uh, you know, when he came to live with me three years ago, we were buddies, which is like that. You're, he's a teenager. Now we're like this. Well, maybe you should spend more time together. Mm, no, no, no. He'd rather be with his friends. I'd have to go down to the mall and hang out with him. Hey, yo, dudes, Foxy Chick coming out of the record store like I'm not to man. his game idea is there anything to it oh no kate board games are kind of hit and miss you know take a lot of thought a lot of development well why don't you develop it with him i'm mean, gonna give you a chance to be buddies again instead of relatives <laughs> well i guess it's a possibility huh yeah. this is kind of interesting look he's got all these obstacles set up here fires floods fathers <laughs> i'll give it a shot did I call it or did I call it? As soon as I start making out on the couch, Rick comes in. He's got a huge plate of these giant cookies and chocolate milk. And apparently his bedtime is like 11 o'clock on school nights. And it's currently almost like 1 a.m. But, of course, Rick is really wired. He's been just working, going to town on all these like blueprints and plans and everything for this board game called Get to the Rock Concert. The premise sounds interesting. Granted, of course, Edward's like, you're supposed to be in bed. Whatever it is, I would love to hear your thoughts on it, but it's got to wait till tomorrow because we agreed your bedtime. It's almost 1 a.m. Please go to bed. <clears throat> so, of course, Rick's like, oh, well, you know, I was going to give you first shot at this game I was coming up with, but um, I might have to go with someone else. <laughs> Edward, of course, after Rick's went up to bed, he's just saying how he and Rick really don't relate anymore. You know, three years ago, we were buddies. Now it's like we're polar opposites. It's like... He's a teenager. You said it yourself. Dude, you got three more years of this. You think it's bad at 15? Wait till he's ready to go to college. And then you, when you basically have an empty nest syndrome. Because Kate and Edward are not having a child. Um, unless it happens after this show ends. I don't know. Um... But you hit that empty nest syndrome, you're going to be like, gosh, my son never calls me anymore. He only comes home for break. And even when he does, he's off doing stuff with catch catching up with friends. It's like, you need to treasure this time and just realize you and your son will be buddies. Just wait till he's like 28 years old and he's married and he's got a family of his own in his 30s. And you're going to be like, son, we don't hang out anymore. Let's go fishing or whatever. I got this. Sorry, guys. Hold on a second. I got my electric blanket going right now, and uh, it keeps getting caught on my chair, which I'm sure is a safety hazard. Um, <laughs> but he, Kate's like, well, why don't you take a look at this board game idea? And I mean, I get it. It is 1986. Board games are still. And especially with teenagers, I mean, this is the point of, like, video games and stuff, right? I mean, hadn't NES come out just right around that time? My guess is it would be cooler if you just made a video game of it instead of what we see. It's really cool. It's like 
a mat that you spread out on your floor, and it's got like this big, these big dice and everything. It looks fun. Um, but I just think, like, what about a board game? I mean, not a board game, because that's what it is. What about, like, a video game? You could get some creators and, you know, people in there and just say, this is what I want to do. Can we kind of make it happen? I think it would work even better as a video game than a board game. Because that's where it's at. Mind you, I don't have a degree in marketing or business or any of that shiz. So, um, this is just me just throwing thoughts out into the air and seeing what lands. But cases, this is a great way for you and Rick to kind of work together on something and spend time together. So, let's see how well that goes. Okay, so let's take a little look-see look at this board game that's basically a mat on the floor. Um, I see word pond, I see home, I see destination. Does that say destination? It might. Uh, these big foam dice. There's these little cardboard cutouts of like what might be like a mailman and a bunch of other things. And it looks fun. It does look fun. Doubles, yes. Doubles mean I can either go to New York, New York, or go see Duran Duran. I know, I know. <laughs> Three, four, five, six. Duran Duran, your turn. All right. Come on, baby. Come on. Five. All right. One, two, three, four. Take a bummer card. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. Let's see. <laughs> you have just been thrown out of a rock concert for making too little noise. <laughs> Walk across pond without falling off rocks. Oh, tough luck, Dad. I know. All right. The pond. On the rocks. Here we go. <laughs> but storm warning, gusty wind. Oh, it's fun, huh? You and me working together. Yeah. What if we change the name to Rock Express? Rock Express. I like that. This game just gets better and better. It sounds yeah. like sure. Now all we have to do is find a box big enough to hold it. I thought that was like keep working on it. And it comes along fast enough, we could take this to the toy show. Dad, that's major league stuff. I know, all the big toy companies will be there. Do you think I'm ready for that? Sure you are. You got brains, creativity, and a father who owns a toy company. I cannot believe this is happening. Well, it is. We're in business together. Stratton and son. Stratton and Stratton. You're my partner. I'll get that. So they're having fun. It, it's... I really hope that this... This thing is, this mat is huge. It's very huge. And I'm like, I hope that's just like a, de that's got to be a demo of what it's just going to be a regular board game. Or is it something that actually, it's a mat on the floor that you could play, you know, the game on and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, what do you, th what do you think? I think it's just got to be like a demo, like they're practicing the game. So, Get to the Rock Concert was the original title, and Rick's like, well, what about if we change the name to Rock Express? Which sounds better, because it's a lot shorter, it could fit on, you know, if they put it in a, a bot, like the size of a Monopoly box, Rock Express is a decent, I mean, Get to the Rock Concert is pretty, it's too long of a title. Rick's a little nervous when Edward brings up the whole idea of, you know, if we can get this thing ready to go, 
and prepared for the toy expo- uh, expedition thing that's coming up. You know, a lot of the big toy company industries are going to be there. We can market it there and see what they say. And Rick's a little nervous. Like, I mean, don't know. Do you really think that this could work? You know, it's his own creation and everything like that. And it's just, like, against big toy companies. But it's like, no, I mean, his dad owns the toy company. He knows the ins and outs and stuff like this. Like, it, I think it would be a great idea. So, the, uh, Rick's like, oh, Stratton and Son. And, of course, Edward says, well, no, Stratton and Stratton were business partners. This is going to be a problem because you got... Rick, who's got a young mind, he's inexperienced when it comes to this kind of thing. You have someone like Edward, who does have the experience, knows about running a business and creating new toys. And plus, this anytime you get two people together, there's going to be conflict. You're going to have different ideas, different ways of how you want to go about doing something, and you're going to clash. And that's one thing if it's just two individuals that aren't related to each other. But it's a father and son. Like, your relationship, it's not on the rocks, but it's already kind of, he's a teenager, you're looking to connect with your son. Which, this is an okay idea, but I think it's kind of going to blow up in your face at some point, and you're going to end up really irritating the heck out of each other. Not going to help your relationship. Let's find out what this phone call is. I bet it's got to be like Alfonso or a friend or something. I'm sure that he's let word leak out at school because it's some type of a project he's doing for school. That's why you wanted Alfonso like, hey, you want to help me out with this? Alfonso's like, no, not really. I'm going to go home and smell these Springsteen tickets. Can you imagine if those Springsteen tickets, like, weren't real? Like, it turns out they were, like, duds or something like that. Hello, Stratton and Stratton. Stratton speaking. <laughs> oh, hi, Kim. Hurry it up, okay, Rick? How's it going? Terrific. Yeah. I think this could catch on <laughs> in large living rooms. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to see you guys together. Father and son. Son and father. You know who's responsible? You. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna get myself a piece of Melba toast. Yeah, my kisses do that to women. <laughs> you ready, son? Just a sec, Dad. Yeah, it should sell millions. I'm thinking of buying a pro wrestler. I want to name him the Gut Twister. <laughs> well, before you become a patron of the performing arts, we got to finish this, huh? Hold on. I sure I'll name a game after you someday. Kim, I gotta go. Bye. Women, they sure can chatter, huh? So, of course, Rick gets a phone girl, a phone call from a girl named Kim, and he's talking about how great it is, you know, making this board game, and, you know, he wants a franchise, and, oh, I'll name a board game after you, Kim, and I'll... I want to buy a pro wrestler and name him the Gut Twister. <sighs> Kate comes in, says, Ed, asks Edward how things are going, and he's like, oh, it couldn't be better, it's really great, we just gotta find a living room big enough tomorrow. So I guess the plan is to keep the layout of the game 
the size that it is. So basically, if you get this game, you're going to have to have a big enough space for it, which I think that, honestly, that if it were board game size, you could take that anywhere. With the size that it is, it's just you lay it out like a blanket on the floor. That's going to limit people who probably don't have that kind of space in their house. Because it makes me think of those mats that kids... Those green mats that have, like, different, like, roads on it and different, like, post office here and there. Where they can use, you know, their toy cars or the toy trains on it and stuff like that. So Edward, of course, was like, Rick, get off the phone, please. Wrap it up. We need to get back to this. And he's like, hold on, Dad. Hold on. Just a second. And it's like, he's soaking up all this attention from girls and stuff like that. They're like, ooh, Rick's going to be a big toy inventor and this and that. And it's like, okay, okay, calm down. It hasn't even 100% gotten off the ground yet. So Kate's just happy that Rick and Edward are getting along, spending time together. And Edward, of course, is like, you know who's responsible for that? You. It's like, okay. <laughs> Melba toast. Like a senior citizen type of toast? Where it's easy to gum down? I don't know. So yeah, I love that. <laughs> Edward gets uh, some kissy time with his wife, but Rick can't. But teenagers are on the phone forever. So, like, let's go, Rick. Come on. And Edward says, son, I thought we were going to limit your phone calls while we're working. And, of course, Rick's like, dad, I can't quit cold turkey. He's a teenager. They're addicted to the phone. Can you imagine now? He wouldn't have it. <laughs> he wouldn't be looking up from his phone. He'd be so into it. Because phones nowadays can fit in your hand. They can fit in your pocket. You can do everything with them. In fact, I bet anything, Edward and Rick, if they're in this time, wouldn't even be talking to each other. They'd be texting one another from par different parts of the house. So, Edward actually has made a couple little changes. Because right now... His character's in the pond, so he can either get a canoe, trade his backstage passes for a canoe, and Rick's like, since when can you do that? But Edward's like, since yesterday, we talked about this. Don't you remember any of this stuff? Why aren't you writing this down? And Rick's like, oh, well, all the information's in my head. The note on the notepad in my head. And Edward's like, it needs to be like, written down, written down. Because Rick's like, oh, yeah, tell me, ask me anything, and I'll tell you what. And Edward's like, okay, fine. Um, How much are Madonna tickets? And Rick's like, uh, okay, ask me anything else. This just goes to show that as a teenager, I mean, I'm not saying all teenagers are like this, but it's like, if you're not writing stuff down, Clearly, you're going to forget. And Edward demonstrates, see, when I invent a toy, I write everything down. As he demonstrates one of the toys he's going to be taking to the toy convention, it's really cool. It's like this, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he puts it in, like, the little, uh, the cannon. And, like, does a little, you know, shoving the, you know, stick to get him in there. And then it's a little knob on the end of the cannon. And then it shoots the guy out of the cannon and hits, like, a, a flat little sheet. So I thought, that is cool. That is really cool. I mean, there's many components to it, but it's not as... 
I just, uh, I, I just think that board game, it's not gonna, they're not gonna be able to get it off the ground. Or the fact that Edward is also now making more changes to Rick's game. He's like, why are you doing that? So it just goes to show that Rick is a teenager. He might be a little serious. He's just thinking of the big picture. Like, oh, it's going to be, we're going to franchise this game. There's going to be different versions of the game. I'm going to make so much money I can buy a pro wrestler. He's just thinking of the money. He's not actually thinking real of the details. And maybe there are some things on the game that you can change. So there aren't a whole lot of rules and and other thing, you know, a thousand obstacles you gotta get through in the game that's... Edward knows what he's doing. He owns a toy company. He creates different toys. Rick does not know what he's doing. It's great he can come up with an idea, but Edward is the one who has the brains to actually develop it and take it from just being on a piece of paper and just being a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? like a little model version of it and actually putting it in people's homes. And also like these big toy convention, you know, the big businesses like Mattel and Hasbro and uh, Parker Brothers and stuff like that might want their shot at this game. So definitely they're both arguing. They both have different ideas for the game. Edwards makes sense. Rick is just like, you keep changing everything. I don't like this. Because Rick, or Edward wants to get rid of the mugger guy, which does make sense. It does make a little bit. Quinn, what are you doing? I'm sorry, my cat is just, she has these moments where she's zipping all over like a crazy nut. Up and down the stairs. I better go check on her. Yeah, she just, she gets like that, you know, she sometimes just gets kind of wild. And just I mean, if you guys have cats, you know what it's like. They're just bouncing off the walls. And she's pretty much slept the majority of the, but cats sleep all the time. But even still. So anyway, Edward just wants to make changes, which makes sense. It's like, I want to get rid of the mugger guy. I don't like that he creates a sense of danger. Rick's like, well... Gee, Dad, what would you rather have in a parking lot at midnight? A ballerina? So, Edward's making sense. It's like, the cardboard cutouts uh, boost up the production costs, which makes sense. Nobody in 1986 paying $25 for a board game. Now, if you want a Harry Potter version of Clue out there, that's $25 or higher because you're paying for the character, you're paying for the licensing and all that stuff. A simple, regular version of Clue with no added characters like Harry Potter or Stranger Things is going to be $25. It's probably going to be like maybe 10 to 15 tops. But you throw in licensed characters and stuff like that, it's going to be more. Not to mention, it's like you want this game to be affordable for the consumer. That's the whole point. This game... What frills does it have other than let you work your way along a board to get to a rock concert? I mean, it's not like it's like, hey, go to this app and create a profile and you can connect online with other people. You know, it's not like it has a following on, on the internet because it's 1986, not 2020. Nowadays, this would be a great game for online. They actually have... um 
I'm not a huge, huge game player. I really um, like the time management games. I was playing this one because I'm not working right now. Um, I was playing this like grocery game where you're like a grocery store clerk and then you kind of like of like work so many make so much money to afford another cashier or a person in the meat department or, and it's just or someone to stock the shelves and that's my idea of a fun game it gives me something to work towards rick of course is taking offense well there's never been a board game that's been this much fun either really really 1986 i don't know you had your monopoly which takes forever that's why I don't play it that often. You had your Monopoly. You had your Clue. You have your... What other games were in 1980s? Were there any that were based off of, like, movies and stuff? I'm trying to think. But then again, you have your board games where you're sitting down as a family. A lot of the board games, you have to have at least three or more players. Which stinks because Jeremy and I are a family of two. I mean, if you count the fur babies... We're a family of five, but they can't play board games, so it's kind of hard. Like, oh, this game looks, oh, you need three people? Well, I guess we're not playing it then. Um, Trivial Pursuit, that's another one I'm sure was around 1985. But I would think between board games and video games, what, I, I mean, what one, eventually the video games I think would overtake the board games over time in popularity. Now that everyone's stuck home at the moment, in uh, today's world at the moment, a lot of people are doing a lot. Puzzles are really making their money right now. Puzzles, board games are really, really coming back as well because that's something that you can play with a family. Unless you're a teenager, do you think adults are going to be into this? Ooh, let's play. And what kids are like... Mom and Dad, let's go play Rack Express! It doesn't seem like a family game. It seems like a f game you'd play with, like, your friends. And that's if you have the friends that like to play board games. I look at Rick's friends and I'm like, I don't think any of them want to play board games. They look at the tub that would eventually evolve into drinking games. Everett's like, son, let's not argue about this, okay? The mugger's out. Ew, and by the way, the um, groupie's a little shaky as well. And Rick has just had enough. It's like, you know what? I don't even know why I got involved with you to begin with with this game. I'm taking it and then going to try it against uh, the other big toy companies. Yeah. And of course, while they're yelling at each other and disagreeing... Kate comes out like, oh, it was going so well. They were working together and laughing and smiling, and now they aren't working together at all. Great. Oh, we were going to limit your phone calls while we were working. Dad, I can't quit cold turkey. <laughs> okay, back to business now. In order to get out of the pond, I can either hope to roll an eight or trade in my backstage pass for a canoe. Since when? Since yesterday. Don't you remember? Didn't you take notes? My mind is my notebook. How about using your notebook as a notebook? I don't forget things. Go ahead, ask me anything about this game. Yeah, right. Okay. How much are tickets to a Madonna concert? Ask me something else. You're being serious. I took tons and tons of notes when I developed the Flying Gelato Brother. Hmm? What is that? Oh, Watch this cool. one. Ready? 
Oh, that's cool. <laughs> See, that's why this is going to be a smash at the toy convention. Oh, yeah? Well, he hasn't come face to face with Rock Express yet. You know, I've been thinking about the mugger. Every time you say, you know, I've been thinking, you want to change something. Well, we don't need the mugger. He kind of creates a sense of danger. What would you put in a park at midnight? A ballerina? <laughs> the cardboard cutouts drive up our production costs, Rick. There's never been a successful board game that cost over $25. Well, That's there's never insane. been a board game this much fun either. All right, let's not argue, huh? Okay. The mugger's out. <laughs> the groupie's a little shaky. Why don't you just take an arm and a leg while you're at it? Why is it that nothing I say counts around here? That's not true. I'd make more decisions if I was a houseplant. <laughs> if I were a houseplant. You weren't even listening to what I said, were you? Now you just hold on a minute. I listen to what you say very carefully before I say no. <laughs> we're all developing a board game together as a matter of give and take. I can't work under these conditions. Then all the second guessing stuff, it stifles my creativity. All right, let's just take a break. You said that we'd be partners. Well, partners try to work together. Obviously, we can't. So why don't we just take the end Stratton out of Stratton and Stratton? I'm taking my game to another toy company. I'll risk it. Ha! <laughs> Comes out, she's oh, I hope that was part of the game. Like, what? She just came in on this. She doesn't know what she just witnessed. And Edward's like, yeah, it was the end. And he walks away. This is going to be an interesting dinner. As we got two people that aren't talking to each other and one person who's trying to get the other two to talk to each other and make conversation. <laughs> know what I hated the most when I was single? Eating alone. The silence drove me nuts. <laughs> but now that I have a family, oh boy, the talk that goes on at this table. <laughs> Current events, sports, politics, books, movies, television, it's all I can do to keep up with you guys. Pass <laughs> the bread, please. Bread! I'd love to. Here. Butter, please. Butter! Gosh, I feel bad for you. Bread, too. butter, a whole complete thing there. <laughs> Sorta. <clears throat> Rick, you know, I've been reading a book by Dr. Oswald Kent, Fathers and Sons, The Eternal Conflict. Sounds like a thick book. <laughs> no pictures either. says that it's normal development for fathers and teenage sons to go through this. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Here, let me show you. Now, say you're the salt. Why can't I be the pepper? Oh, good grief. All right, you can be the pepper. This is good. <laughs> now, when you were younger, you looked to the salt for guidance and seasoning. And as you get older, it's only natural, see, that you want to become your own condiment. Yeah, I'm hoping to be paprika. Maybe someday I'll meet some cute oregano. <laughs> and have little peppers of your own. Kate, <laughs> <Take>, please. 
I'm trying to tell you, son, is that most boys your age are fighting for their own identities. In order to do so, they have to contradict every idea their fathers had. I don't agree with that. Come in. Hi, Alfonso. Hi. You're still eating? No, 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 we're done. We just had a hamburger with a heavy helping of psychology. So how's the game going? Terrific. Several toy companies have expressed an interest in returning my phone calls. Mm. I feel terrible. I suggested you develop this game together. No, don't blame yourself. It was a good idea. Well, I have an even better one. I'm not sure our marriage could handle another good idea. I'm sorry, honey. What's your good idea? Let's put Rock Express in our booth at the toy show. Or let's put these plates on our head and walk into the wall. Edward, this is serious. I like Rick's game. And it would mean so much to Rick to be able to see his game sell. Mm-hmm. And what if it didn't? Then he'd be humiliated. You know how rough the toy business is? It's worse than dog eat dog. It's stuffed dog eat stuffed dog. Well, even if it is a rough business, I think Rick wants to take his shot. Mm-hmm. Alone, without me. Well, didn't you ever feel that way about your father? Ever since I was five and I had a lemonade stand out in front of our house. My father supplied the lemons, the pitcher, the ice cubes. Ah, you were partners. Exactly. And he said to me, every nickel you earn, I shall take four cents. Rough man. I could never do anything right by him. Well, maybe Rick feels the same way right now. Honey, you know I'd love to help Rick out, but realistically speaking, there's only so much space in our booth. Oh, we can make room. You feel strongly enough about this to cut down the size of your berserk warrior display? What do you mean, cut down? You may have to give up your walk-through dungeon. Not my walk-through dungeon. Okay. Okay, we'll give Rick a shot. Oh. You want to tell him? You want him to accept the offer? I'll tell him. I kind of feel bad for Kate here. as She's like, you know, when I was single, the one thing I hated was eating dinner by myself because, you know, there's no conversation, couldn't handle the silence, which is really no different than what's going on right now with Rick and Edward. She's pretty much trying to keep conversation of some sort going as Rick asks for bread, Edward asks for butter, and <laughs> then Edward's like, you know, son, I was reading a book by this doctor, and he talks about fathers and sons and how they don't communicate or whatever. And then he tries to use an example with pepper and salt, and it's just like, ugh. Like, this is something that... The, the dinner is already awkward. Why are you making it more so? You want to have a conversation about a book that you read about fathers and sons with your son? Great. Have it after dinner. I mean, Kate is like out on a limb here just trying to 
because she probably does feel a little guilty. Like, oh, well, it was my idea to have Edward help Rick with his board game and everything and wanting to see, you know, father and son bonding and working together. And now they're not even talking. And it's just like... Mm. <coughs> Alfonso comes over and he's asking about the board game. And Rick tells him that, oh, yeah, um, I have some toy investors that say they might return my phone call so they're gonna go into the living room and play the game of course now Kate and Edward are talking about the toy show coming up and they have a booth there of course for Eddie Toys Kate has her own little game that she's putting up something to do with like a dungeon or whatever and Edward's like you know if we include Rick in this you're gonna have to probably eliminate your dungeon half of this medieval game that she's got to make room for Rick and Edward even mentions about the fact that when he was young he wanted to do a lemonade stand in front of his house his father supplied the lemons, the pitcher, the whatever, the table probably, and said, for every five cents you earn, I get four cents. Oh, and of course, Joel Higgins does an immaculate impression of John Houseman, who plays Grandfather Stratton. I really hope we um, are kind of... I know we're not done with his episodes. I know there are probably at least a couple more... I'm just, nothing against John Houseman. I'm just uh, oversaturated this season alone. I mean, that, that, the Barbarians episode was like the nail in the coffin for me for that. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. His episodes really, they're dry and it's just, Ed, you know, Ricky Schroeder and Joel Higgins are just trying to, you know, as the characters are trying to put some z zest and zing into the episode. It's just like, because uh, whenever he's around, it's always like money this, power that, company this, company that. And it's just like, take over that. Uh, a person can only take so much. They can only take so much. If we didn't see John Houseman for the... I know that we still got him and stuff. I'd be fine with, you know, Edward's impressions of him. But I'm just... Uh. Well, of course, Edward's like, I'm not going to go in there and tell him he's going to be a part of this toy show that we're doing. You really think he's going to accept my offer if I go in there and tell him that? And Kate's like, you're right. I'll go tell him. Now, real quick, honestly, what do you think's worse? Having dinner alone or having dinner with two people that are refusing to talk to each other? And the tension and hostility in the air is so thick, you can't even breathe. I would rather prefer to have a dinner by myself in silence. Well, actually, I'd most likely be watching something on television. But I would take that any day over the week. Then have to sit down with two people that aren't getting along and they're just throwing jabs at each other. No one wants that. Those are the dinners that are the worst. Because you have to sit through and look, deal with two people glaring at each other. It's just like, Ooh. and no matter how you try to diffuse the situation, because part of me wants to do that. You know that nothing that you say is going to make a difference. It probably even might make it worse.
So let's go to the living room with Rick and Alfonso. Because we've seen Edward's ideas with this game. Because he's a professional. That's his field. He works in toys and toy making. I want to see a regular teenager's impression of this game. Because that is what you're marketing to. You're marketing to teenagers. You're not marketing to families standing around a living room. If they even have enough space for this thing. I gotta say here, I don't think that Alfonso's gonna be into this game. Like, wow, there's a lot of steps. It's just, ugh, you gotta hold up these big, giant cards that say, like, Destiny on them, or Destination, or whatever. Let's find out. One, two, three, four. Uh-oh, take a Destiny card. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. You've just won two tickets. Your cousin's best friend's sister lives next door to Springsteen's bass player's father's brother-in-law. You just put that in there. This is a great game. It's so real. Oh, How's it going? Got all the kinks worked out? That's the amazing thing about this game, Kate. There are no kinks. It's just fun. Yeah. I've got good news for you. Your father's going to give you part of the Eddie Toys booth at the toy show. He is? Uh-huh. Yes! Wait a minute. Do I have to say I'm sorry? No. Yes! <laughs> it means a lot to you, doesn't it? Yes! <laughs> well, well, it does. Man, this is going to be great. I'm going to sell a million of these games. And do you know why? Because this is one board game that has it all. It's yes! not going to win. In short, this is one board game that has it all. Thrills, action, adventure, and public transportation. <laughs> Rock Express, the game that there's you to get to a rock concert. Your order forms are right here, folks. Only a few left. Please, no pushing. No pushing. So, surprisingly, no, Alfonso likes the game. I just thought, because it seems like the game is being marketed to teens, that, you know, of course, teenagers, or even little kids, they're going to be some of the harshest critics. I mean... It's not the adults that you gotta win over because, you know, technically they're the ones that are going to be forking out the money. It's the kids and the appeal to your main audience. And I like how the Destiny card that Alfonso reads ties back to the beginning with the whole Bruce Springsteen tickets and the whole friend, cousin, brother-in-law, sister, what have you of the bass drum, I don't know, um, of the drummer, any of Springsteen. Anyway, Kate comes in and does say, we would like to offer you space in the toy show. And Rick, of course, is excited, but he's like, wait, do I have to apologize to Dad? And Kate's like, no, you don't. He's like, yes! So... Now we're at the toy show, we do see Rick really struggling. He's got, like, the stack of order forms. And it's like, if there were space to be... Because he's got, like, the, the background of the booth that he's in has the... The board game, you know, it's basically like a, a mat... With all the stuff. It's just people just keep passing him by. He, 
he's just, you know, shouting out like, hey, no waiting, come and check out the game. I still got order forms. That's a huge stack of order forms. And it's like, he wanted to do this himself without his dad's help. And you can see that he is really, he's basically drowning at this point. Oh, my goodness gracious sake. Um, We see some of these other toys, which one of them just has something to do with blocks. Like, oh my god. But yeah, back at Rick's booth, we see, like, his booth is just like a recreation of his board game. He's got the giant dice, he's got the train, which is like... One of them, like a Monopoly piece, you know, a piece that you would move along the board game and everything like that. But it's just, everything is so huge. If you had just made it, like, set up a table and demonstrate, like, bring in Alfonso, maybe pay him a little something, maybe um some other kid. Bring him in, have them set up the game on a table, have them playing it. And then that way people can kind of see the game for themselves, see how it's played, maybe invite them to play and try it out. Something to that effect. Like I said, I don't have a degree in business and marketing and know about creating things like that. But that would be if I were a business person and I wanted to, I had my shot like Rick has. I think that's the route that I would want to go. Like, have a prototype of the game. Don't make it some humongous monstrosity that you have to have a huge living room to play the thing. Don't just market it to one demographic, because like I said, it looks like something that teenagers would play versus children who aren't even old enough to go to a rock concert by themselves, or adults that... That would be no interest to them. If they want to pay to go to a rock concert, they're going to pay to go to a rock concert. They're not going to go to a scalper. You know, they're going to go to a rock concert. On their, you know, they're not going to run into any issues along the way. But if you're going to market something, market it where it's for everybody. Okay, here's my prediction. There's still like seven minutes left of the episode. Here's my prediction on how I think this is going to end. I think that Edward might have a buyer, someone who's interested in the game, and kind of did that himself to kind of help Rick at at the end. Like, it stinks. He didn't sell a single one. He didn't get anybody interested. And then Edward says, well, actually, I was talking to some investors who are interested. Why don't we do a demonstration or something? That's what I kind of think. We have Bernard's Blocks. Okay. This guy is just in this monotone voice. Like, the nice thing about my blocks is they have different colors on them. Blue, yellow, orange, and every... These investors come up like, I'll take 200. I'll take this one. Poor Rick. He's just, like, out there, like, a little duckling being thrown into the ocean, like, it's water, swim, swim, oh, you're not, oh, you're sinking, no! And the packaging is so, it's, a, I know it's 1986, but it is so 80s packaging, there's nothing eye-popping or 
nothing, no razzle-dazzle of any kind of this packaging. It's like, ugh. And Rick is probably like, what is this guy doing that I'm not doing? The, the, the covers of these blocks of this Bernard is selling are so... The, they're so bland that the rainbow-colored curtains behind them make them look that much more dull. So Rick goes up to Bernard and says, what's your secret? And Bernard looks at him and says, boldness. Uh. And sounding like Ben Stein. <laughs> He's got a monotone voice. But then again, this is a grown man. Rick is 15. Nobody's going to take a kid's, a teenager seriously in 1986. Like, oh, you invented something? Oh, let me look at this professional over here who's been doing this for a, longer than you've been alive. So yeah, he's not going to be taken seriously. He says no two K's are the same color. It's like, all it is, it's a, it's a block that's got letters. It's like those ABC blocks as a kid. Oh, all the O's are the same color. Uh-huh. That's... Uh, I'm just falling asleep just listening to this man. Rick kind of takes this guy's advice because the guy talks about unpredictability is where it's kind of what sells. Rick runs over to his booth and says, Rock Express, some pieces are the same color, some are not. <laughs> so I'm going to play this clip here. Oh, look at that little stuffed Dalmatian dog. And Kate, of course, see that no one's even stopping at Rick's booth. It's like, I know that Edward just wants Rick to do this himself because that's the only way he's going to learn this lesson. But I think that Edward is finally going to step in and get people's attention to go over there. What's your secret? Boldness. No two K's are the same color. Oh. No, all the O's are the same color. Unpredictability is also important. Rock Express. Some pieces are the same color, and some pieces aren't. Poor kid, nobody's even stopping. Want to hear what I think you should do? Based on your track record so far? No. I can't bear to watch this. No, I can't either. I gotta do something, huh? Hey, Wally. Hi, Edward. Hi, how you doing? Listen, Wally, there's a board game down there you ought to check out. Oh, yeah? yeah? Why? Well, they say it's gonna be the latest rage. It's gonna make a trivia question out of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Is it moving? I, well, I'd hate to see you miss out. <laughs> yeah. That look on Wally's face. He's up to something, isn't he? I better check it out. <laughs> hey, kid. What do you got? A brand new experience in board games. It's called Rock Express. First of all, it features a giant game board. That's not new. Well, you see, the object of this game is to get to a rock concert past all these different amusing inventive obstacles. Well, uh, how much does this game cost? Well, it's only $39.95. That's too much. <laughs> that's, that's insane. 40 bucks? <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> a teenager with 40 bucks in his pocket is going to go to a rock concert. Yeah. Not buy a game about one. That wrong. price isn't written in stone. What else you got? 
Ah, oh, well, you're just in time to see a demonstration of our hot new item for the Christmas season. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, everybody, step right up, see the amazing death defying Daredevil! The fabulous flying Gelato Brother! <laughs> now, you may all be asking, why does the last remaining Gelato Brother insist on being shot out of a cannon? Because the circus couldn't find another man of his caliber. <laughs> The cannon will shoot our gelato brother into our toy safety net. Happy landings, Antonio. Wait a minute. What was that? <laughs> Antonio insists because this is a special occasion to be shot through a ring of fire. Oh, no. You mustn't let him do it. You know that crazy Antonio. You can't talk him out of anything. <laughs> The ring of fire. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the flying gelato brother. talk to one guy about Rick's you know game and he goes over there and it's not really anything new and he asks Rick like what's the ballpark figure what's the price Rick's like $39.99 and not only does this guy investor laugh but the lady investor laughs as well and the guy even says, like, most kids with teenagers that have 40 bucks are going to rock concerts. They're not playing a game about one, which makes sense. So, <laughs> Everett and Kate demonstrate the guy, Antonio guy, that is in the cannon. And they even go so far as to, like, oh, he's going to hit the safety net, but let's throw a curveball in here. Put, like, a, a ring and then light that on fire. So the guy goes, you know, they have him ejected from the cannon, going through the ring of fire, hitting the safety net, and then all of a sudden, poof, of course, you're playing with fire. Don't include that in um, the pack with the toy. Edward even says it's going to be, like, a, the hottest Christmas item. And, of course, the fire gets out of control. Rick, I love how he jumps in there and just starts using, like, some whipped cream spray can or something. And, luckily, he and Edward put out the fire. But we definitely see 
this is Edward's profession when it comes to getting a crowd together and just really working the crowd. Rick doesn't have that yet. But I like that at least by helping put out this fire of Edward's toy that they're like, then they're playing with the, the can of whipping cream, like spraying each other. And it's just, it's funny. And they're like, truth, truth, truth. And it's just like, okay, it's good. They love each other again. Not that they ever didn't love each other, but it seems like so far they kind of worked out their differences where they're actually like having fun together and like forgetting for a second that uh, they worked on that game and that's what caused the... Um, a little rift and everything. So let's see how this ends. It looks like they're back at the house. They're just getting back from that toy convention. Okay, guys, just stand right there and I'll get some towels. I thought you were going to say stand right there. I'm sorry, the flying model brother was such a dud, Dad. Oh, well, it wasn't a total loss. Kate scored big with a berserk warrior. I can't believe people want a plastic Viking with a bad attitude. <laughs> well, see, that's why you develop so many different kinds of toys. You never know what's going to sell. <laughs> Thanks for trying to help me out with the buyers. Yeah. Thanks for helping me put out the frying gelato, brother. <laughs> I think you're pretty terrific. You know that? And I think you're a great dad. So why do we have fights? Yeah. <laughs> Fighting isn't fun, but it's nothing to be afraid of. It shows that we care about each other. <laughs> so the next time we fight, I should be happy? <laughs> it's only natural for fathers and sons to butt heads, I guess. I was hoping we could avoid that by becoming partners. So was I. But I found out that no matter what we do, I'll always be your father. Part of the job is offering my opinion, whether you like it or not. Even if I live to be 90 and you're 115? Yeah, afraid so. I'll probably be saying, son. Use a longer cane. Why don't we stick to the stuff we're good at doing together? Like tennis. You're right. We're great tennis partners. Devastating. You know, you guys look so goofy. <laughs> well, uh, I know something that we can do together. What's that? Kate. Have you noticed that I'm a globby mess and you're a globby mess, but Kate got off Scott? <laughs> oh, God! Now that you mention it. Let's go get it. <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, you're sitting on my chairs. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> So Rick's like, I'm sorry that the flying trapeze guy or whatever acrobat wasn't a sell for you guys. It was kind of a dud. And that's why Edward explains that it's good because Kate actually did sell her Viking guy. Um, it's good that you have more than one option so that way if you do have a dud, you might have other things that might be successful. So it's not a humongous financial loss. They're not all going to be winners. But I like that they're 
sitting there, they're talking and how they do. Maybe this one thing didn't work out for them, them working together on this board game because, you know, even though, you know, Edward's always going to offer Rick advice unsolicited or not because, you know, he's his dad and he's just looking out for his son and wants to help him out. But it's <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, Rick's like, oh, so even when I'm like 90 and you're 115, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just cute. And, of course, Edward's got to, like, pretend he's got no teeth in his mouth. <laughs> son, give me that walker. <laughs> you need to use a cane. <laughs> you know, and it's just, I like it. You know, it's just, and they agree that they're both really good tennis partners together, which is awesome. And, of course, they realize, you know, we're both gobby messes, but Kate got off scot-free. So, they go and get, ever gets, like, a spray can of the whipped cream, because I guess they have one, and, uh, Rick gets the mustard, and Kate comes out like, oh no, you're sitting on my chairs! And they both stand up like, oh yeah, that's a real shame, and they both like hit her with the mustard and the, <laughs> and the, the spray cream, and it's just funny. I like how the episode ended. You know, so the, the his game didn't sell. It's still, as a creative idea, maybe you could take it in a different direction if that's what he wanted to do. But then again, I thought this was like a thing for school, but at least now he knows how not to go about doing something, you know, with a, like, you know how to work out the kinks. So next time, if you want to do something, you'll take your father's advice because he, he's got experience and maybe market it in a different direction. Maybe make it a board game sized board game and not a mat that you have to spread out and help you have enough room in your living room to be or bedroom to be able to play this game and market it to everybody, not just one random, you know, cuz you see family board games and you have ones that are still kind of family but they're more for tykes like the um like the elephant game with the butterflies and you have a net. That, that's for little kids. But, um, yeah, I like this episode. I thought it was fun. Um, I'm going to rate it an average three out of five trains. I really like them working together. I thought the premise of the idea was cool. <coughs> I liked that, <coughs> excuse me, um, Rick got to experience what it's like to kind of, you know, sink or swim when it comes to marketing a product. And he definitely has room for improvement in the future if he wants to come up with something else. He'll know, listen to my dad. We may not always agree. I may not always agree with what his advice is, but take it to heart anyway with someone who's got experience and maybe get a even a focus group. Get a focus group. Like, hey, this is what I want to do. Get, like, a group of, like, what the game is tailored to. And get a group of people, like, have them play the game. Get, like, what they like about it, what they don't like about it. So that way, when you're ready to actually really develop the game, then you can actually develop it when it's 100% complete and not just a demo. So... That's also my silver spoonful as well. Um, it's good to have ideas. It's really, you know, people never stop being creative because 
that's how some of the great inventions that we use on a daily basis come to fruition because it started with just a seed of an idea in someone's brain. So, yeah. Three out of five. The only two things I didn't care for, um, I didn't like the whole thing, the dinner scene with Kate trying to create conversation with Rick and Edward and everything and just... Rick kind of being a butthead when it came to, like, I'm going to take my toy, my board game idea to some other toy company. Blah. Yeah, didn't like that. Okay, let's talk about the next three episodes I'll be doing. And one is a two-part that I was telling Jeremy this last night, my husband. I said, as much as in season three, I was looking forward to the wedding episode, the two-parter, I am so... So, looking forward. This is probably one of the most serious episodes of Silver Spoons. Aside from the child abuse episode in season two, the kidnapping episode at the end of season three, this is big time because this two-part episode deals with an issue that kids not only faced in the 80s, but even now. So, um, alright, so the next episodes I'll be focusing on next week, Daddy Rick, Season 4, Episode 16. During a mock marriage for school, Rick's classmate tells him she's really pregnant. Oh my god, let me, let me say this. Why do I get the impression this is one of those things where the girl comes over, she's pregnant, and Edward immediately is like, son, you and I have to sit down and have a talk. Is this your child? Did you sleep with this girl? Talking about responsibility and protection and all that stuff. Why do I get the feeling that this is going to go there? We'll find out next week, though. All right. And, of course, the two-parter, One for the Road. Part one aired on February 2nd, 1986. This is episode 17 of season four. A new friend pressures Rick to try alcohol. And, of course, One for the Road, part two. You actually had to wait a week to find out what's going to happen. February 9th, 1986. Rick is grounded for experimenting with alcohol, but Greg still has a drinking problem himself. Now, okay, Joe Marie Payton. I want to see how many episodes of Silver Spoons this lady was in. I thought it was just going to be the one... But, um, oh, she's still working. Cool. Um, let me check. Silver Spoons. Oh, she was in Sick. She plays Oprah Winfrey? Uh, okay. Season four. So, Lady is a Tramp. That's her first episode. Joe Marie Payton. One for the Road, parts one and two. In season five, she has Kate Lasso's a Longhorn, author, author, and Mother's Day. Alright, so those are the episodes I will be doing. One for the road, parts one and two. Before that's going to be Daddy Rick. Right now I'm doing three episodes at a time. Get season four done and then we'll I'll go to two episodes at a time for season five. So season f- the podcast for Silver Spoons will be wrapping up most likely in August. So, alright everybody. Have, well, have a decent... <laughs> week so far i guess stay home stay safe and stay positive we will get through this Together.